0: So that's why they all had to die. And now back to our regularly scheduled bullshit, already in progress.
1: Are there any more of those dried apples? There we go. I'm eating this awesome trail mix <laughs> that Rachel made.
2: You're in your damn trail mix. We're
3: trying to, we're trying to find, we got a dehydrator <sighs> somewhere that we're trying to dig out. It's, it's
1: better than salty goddamn potato chips. This is true. I mean, health wise,
4: right. it's not like it tastes better. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it depends on the mood. I don't know. I like trail mix more than than. Um... Although trail mix sometimes, as far as fat content goes, if you got nuts in there, nuts are extremely fatty.
1: But they're good for you at the yeah. same time. Well, right. They... It depends on the type of nut you have. If you have like. Honey 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 roasted or yeah. uh, peanut <laughs> that's not as good. If you have kind of like lightly salted or unsalted peanuts, it's a lot better when yeah, sunflower seeds are good,
3: it's a lot of those so. like omega B fatty acids and all that stuff and every
1: once in a while, I stumble across an m M&M, m so it's like a, it's like a treat. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's your dessert.
1: but we found these uh, dried apples that are just great eat a whole freaking bag of these actually
0: Scott sends Chris and Michael a very very rude picture <laughs>
1: But oh no What did you say
3: He's, I don't like the nuts in my trail mix <laughs> Oh Jesus <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> But apparently she does the Look on her face too she's just like oh
1: who was that woman in the 70s that...
2: Like Nuts in Trail Mix? I don't know.
1: Uh, no, she was... She did the orange juice commercials, but she was really against gays. Anita
3: Bryant, maybe?
1: Yeah. That girl looks like Anita Bryant. Like a young Anita Bryant. <laughs> and I who well, I, I heard assume... Anita
3: Bryant liked horse balls, too. So. <laughs> it could be her daughter. As long as
1: it wasn't... <laughs> as long as it wasn't touching other horses. As, horse long, as, it, as bowls, long as
3: she wasn't touching a female horse, she's okay. You know.
2: Anita Bryant. The name sounds familiar, but I can't picture what she looked like.
1: So, guess what I got in the other room, guys? Um. Tomorrow, hmm. a certain geek cherry is going to get popped. Hmm. Are they DVDs? But he lent me Tron. Um, Ah! Ah! You, you
3: haven't seen the original, have you? Seen?
1: I've uh, ever seen the. I haven't seen. I didn't want to see the yeah. sequel until I saw the
3: original. I'll be interested to see what you think.
2: I hope it it's, hasn't been built up too much for you to the point where well, you're like.
1: I'm really gonna try going into it not thinking too much of it. Like I'm, I'm gonna try to put myself in like if I was like five or six years yeah. old and seeing it the first time.
3: As Scott always uh, look, says, it's a good late-night movie. It's a good or a, in a dark room movie, you know. It's got that late-night weird feel. I, like, I always watch THX 1138 late at night. Uh, it's something
1: that um, Andrew Leyland over at um, Hey Kids Comics says all the time. Uh, he was saying about his son, and I completely agree with it. It's You have to contextualize things that you watch. Yeah you have to put them somewhat I mean you're going to bring in your own modern baggage but if you're if you're reading something old you have to kind of think of this as compared to something of its time and not compare it say to the latest in CGI because it's two completely different things though I will say this found young Sherlock Holmes for five dollars uh, what's wrong baby zombies take over Henry County highway Georgia 20 near Atlanta Motor Speedway is closed for the filming of The Walking Dead.
4: Yeah.
1: Oh, awesome. (laughs) But it's an AJC headline Zombies Take Over Edward County Highway. So. That's awesome. Yeah, I guess there would be filming in the new season.
2: We should mention that in the show.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
3: probably. Yeah, I'm going to be talking. To, I, I just sold a couple Walking Dead's on eBay, so I'll be talking about them. So. Yeah, that
2: can segue. That can segue Mike into it, or Mike can segue you into it, yeah, one way right. or the other.
1: Um, but um, uh, <clears throat> came in and distracted me with zombies. Um, oh, I found at the five dollar bin at Walmart, young Sherlock Holmes.
3: I really like that, that movie.
2: movie. Yeah, I like that movie too.
1: It holds up so well.
3: Yeah, because it's a period yeah. piece. You know, I mean, it can't. It doesn't yeah. have any bad '80s catchphrases or hairdos. They they kept it, you know, looking like Victorian England. You know,
1: but not only that, the computer graphics still look good.
4: Yeah, it, well, they did them tastefully. Glass, yeah, yeah,
3: well, they did them tastefully, and they were hallucinations too. So they could be a little bit wonky. funky and wonky. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, oh yeah, stained glass man is great.
1: It really felt like kind of an early Indiana Jones film most of the time. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, Which is another. It's like Indiana Jones, young Sherlock Holmes, and young Indiana Jones is something that should have happened. Oh,
2: that would have been (laughs) cool. That would have been cool. Yeah.
1: So. Holy shit! That kid grew up looking weird. Who's that? (laughs) The kid that played, uh, Watson in Young Sherlock Holmes. They always do. He looks completely different. Like, you wouldn't be able to tell it was him at all. Show me a link. Uh, let me send you the IMDB link. And let me peek my head out really quick and tell Rachel something.
3: Oh, yeah, you'd never know that was him.
1: (sighs) Except all the girls from, uh... 80s films like from the monster squad the little girl that was the Mm -hmm. younger sister she grew up hot (laughs) oh really let me uh and then there's Danica McKellar from the wonder years
3: well the little boys that are real, like little little kid boys that are like cute or look like typical little like movie little boys always end up being like growing up all weird and lumpy and fucked up looking They're on the-
1: so that is what the little sister from the monster squad looks like today she's Rachel's age
3: nice I don't feel so bad
2: apparently this uh, Nicholas Rowe that played young Sherlock Holmes has continued to act right up to present day but I've never seen him in anything else
1: it's yeah. all British stuff
2: and the picture they've got for him on IMDb is not a modern picture so
1: Yeah, it's it's really weird but but yeah, he's he's done all, I really he Was that his first movie? Let
2: me see. Mm, I don't think so.
1: It was his second film second, and yet yeah. he nailed that movie. Yeah, he, he was, was great. It, it was just it was just impressive to watch him work. And it had that one guy who ended up going... Who ended up, The only other thing I saw him in was in uh, Dead Poets Society. Was his... The guy that set him up to get kicked out of the school. And I forgot that he got kicked out of that school so early in the fucking yeah. movie.
3: <laughs> I've been hearing that BBC... There's a BBC series about... Like, called Holmes... Or something like that that's supposed to be really good. It was by the same people who wrote that Jekyll miniseries that was awesome. And I've been meaning to check that out. I, I'm, I'm wondering. I can't believe there is... I was looking on the forum. I can't believe nobody has a thread for uh, Game of Thrones yet. Holy shit. I know Scott have... Michael, have you seen that yet? Oh, no, it's...
1: I haven't seen it. And I don't want to... I don't want to download anything from HBO or they'll shut off my internet. Uh,
3: it's insanely awesome. Damn, Phoebe grew up to be hot. I told you.
1: <laughs> and, fat, and Fat Kid is dead.
2: Yeah, I did hear that.
1: I didn't know before I was watching that, spe- that little documentary that they had. And, and she starts talking about him and they start playing the sad music and I'm like did fat kid die oh my god <laughs> fat kid died and they did the sad music this sucks
3: I remember one of the saddest things I ever saw was it was a good 10 years before Richard Pryor actually died but he was very he was still very sick and you know could bear, and they did like a tribute to him with all these comedians came out and did stand up And then at the end, Richard Pryor did some stand up, but he could—it was barely stand up, really, because he could barely walk. And he came out, and it was great. He talked about what was wrong with him and stuff, and did like stand up like that. But then when he was walking off stage, like they showed it in slow motion and played the sad music, and I'm watching it going, "This guy's not dead yet. He's got—I think he had MS—and I'm like, he's—he's got MS, but that he—and he's fucked up. But I've known I. There, um, remember Mike McMahon, Scott? Mike McMahon's father had MS. Still does have MS. Um, When the last time I saw my grandfather, when I saw him at the old folks home in Carthage, um, he was sitting right next to Mike McMahon's old man, who's like totally paralyzed and you know really fucked up now, but still alive, you know, so and yeah, and it was ten years after and I'm like, shit man, how what would that do for your morale to go home and watch your tribute and then have that, you know you know, watching that and it's just like, holy shit, this is what the video's gonna look like when I'm dead, you know Could've been worse,
1: they could've just showed images after, scene after scene from Superman 3
3: (laughs) Skiing down the building in slow motion (laughs) with sad music playing (laughs) you he will be missed <laughs>
1: Anthony Higgins was in Raiders of the lost Ark who's that he was the bad guy in
3: young Sherlock Holmes
1: young Sherlock Holmes he was gobbler, was
2: gobbler. oh okay yeah
1: I thought he looked for he was him. the head
2: he was the head Nazi oh there was
1: and then he went on his,
3: his face melts.
1: Ah, uh, yes. It's really funny because I saw a
3: porno movie starring a lady named Gobbler.
1: <laughs> so he plays the bad guy in Young Sherlock Holmes in 1985. In 1993, he's in the TV movie as Sherlock Holmes. Uh, in Sherlock Holmes. Well, he would have made a great Sherlock Holmes, though. Because uh, he certainly looked the freaking part. Um, now you're,
2: you're talking the guy who played Moriarty in Young Sherlock Holmes, right?
1: Well, somewhat Moriarty. He... Professor Wraith?
2: Wraith, yeah.
1: But yeah, he was pretty much Moriarty.
2: But <laughs> well, he, he was. If you stay after the credits in that movie, when he signs into the inn yeah. at the very end, post credits, he signs the, the register as. Oh. The oh, you gotta watch all the way to the end of the movie, dude. It was one of the first then movies. Then Nick Fury the shows up and recruits him into yeah. the
3: Avengers. So Hold on. Samuel Jackson shows up. He's 15 years old. <laughs>
2: I think he went to slap the DVD <laughs> in. <laughs> how did he not... How can he not stay around for the credits? It's it's showing scenes while the credits are running. It's showing the... Isn't uh, it like the carriage? A,
3: like, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the sleigh ride. <laughs> it might do a bad... It might do a two credits and then fade she, back up into that, though. She,
1: she, she rolled her eyes at the... Um... Nick Fury recruits him into the <laughs> Though we did stay all the way through X Men and
0: Spoiler. Alert.
3: Just say you S- gotta st- stay around till the end of the credits. You just oh, gotta well, stay okay. around to the end of the credits <laughs> to see what comes up. It's it's ridiculous. It's it's so awesome. It makes the whole movie. It answers every question you'd ever have. <laughs> I went home. I had to right. go home and change my pants after it. We're in a porno theater watching it. Do I'm sorry.
1: not expect anything out of the girl playing. Emma oh, Frost that's right. She is a
3: I was watching wood. Triple X Men first ass. <laughs> <laughs> I always get the two confused. <laughs> I never know when I'm watching a real movie in a porno. I'm like that. It's like dyslexia except with movies. Like,
1: well, there's some movies that could have the porno title is the title, like a river runs right, through exactly.
3: it. Right, exactly. That's 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 a peepee video.
1: <laughs> so, guess what, Dave of uh, Dave's Comics bought recently that he has in his showcase? Uh oh! All of the 12-inch Star Wars. Oh, figures. Oh wow! Oh. Uh-huh. Except Chewie, but the Stormtroopers there, oh, Leia, Han, Luke. was looking at it going, I can't afford this. I've those. got the
3: original C-3PO 12-inch figure. I've got the original Jawa 12-inch figure, which isn't a 12-inch figure, but he's in proportion with the 12-inch figures. And I think that's it. He yeah,
1: had the Jawa, too. Yeah, he had the Jawa I was I, and I noticed and I and I thought about I had forgotten about that, that the Jawa was not twelve inches, but he was proportionate the to the guys, other characters. Yeah.
2: Hey, don't spread that around, you're gonna hurt that Jawa's feelings. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jawas are hung like five year old monkeys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think some of the Jawas were five year old monkeys. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, they, they, what else are you going to find in Tunisia?
3: So, <laughs> <laughs> those a couple of those Jawas were basically us. They were like the they were kids our age, whose parents just happened to be working on the movie Lucky Bastards. Wouldn't that have been awesome? Have your parents working on Star Wars, and you're like, I don't know, they're working on some movie. They put a robe over me, and like then for the rest of your life you can. That Jawa. Hey. I'd be at conventions in my Jawa outfit, which would be too small for me. It'd look like a hood. This is my original Jawa tunic.
1: Is it really your birthday today, no. Chris? Okay.
3: I forgot about that. I'm- That's right. I got a lot of birthday people last year. <laughs>
1: I saw it and I'm like I don't think that's true because I know Chris
3: It is not true. Um,
1: that's a terrible thing to say but
3: eh, what are you going to do no I don't tell people when my birthday is I don't really give a shit two shits about birthdays I had a weird I had a weird thing in I've got an eBay thing oh, in I'm in sorry, my 20s.
2: oh that reminds me I'm going to have to go onto Facebook now just because it's his birthday today
3: In my twenties, I actually in my twenties I actually missed my birthday once, and I enjoyed it so much that I've like wanted to (laughs) just ignore it ever since. Totally forgot that it was my birthday, and it was just awesome.
2: That should make some people... That should raise some eyebrows.
3: What did you just put up?
2: I went to your Facebook and said, Fuck you and your birthday. All
3: right. (laughs) You guys ready to get blasting on this project?
1: I am ready to go. Okay, let's get this
0: show on the road, gang. (laughs) And Chris Honeywell. And my personal favorite, Mr. Michael Bailey. He's dreamy.
1: I just want to talk about comics because I got something very awesome in the mail. Cool, I got comics in the mail too. We can talk about comics in the mail. Yes. And what was our top five again? So that I can come up with it, because I wasn't expecting to do <laughs> Dude, it this.
2: I fucking choked and died on the uh, on the top five thing, but it's the... It was Chris's. It was, what did you call it, it was Chris? like Chris?
3: Gen- it was genetic gene splicing of two superheroes to make one superhero. Uh, I can do that. Okay. Alright.
2: I'm good when you guys are good.
1: I'm good, too. Now, before we do start, I really do appreciate the very... I- obviously put in after the fact and Michael Bailey (laughs) Um, on the intro
3: don't forget Michael (laughs) Bailey
1: it it kind of feels like Batgirl
2: (laughs) yeah when they tag Batgirl onto the beginning of the Batman show yeah (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to totally put in a a motorcycle driving
3: by next
4: time
3: (laughs) (laughs) Plagued by Batgirl, we just were talking about Batgirl in the last Star Trek Monthly Monday, and I'll be bringing up the Adam West Batman and make Chris read a goddamn comic today.
4: Yay! Oh, really?
3: Just am curious to see how that how, how fits I work that in. You'll see. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. <laughs> All
2: right, what is, this is? What thirty one, right? All right, who's bringing it in? I'll bring it in. Somebody bring this motherfucker right. in. <laughs>
3: Hello, and welcome back to Comics Monthly Monday. This is episode number 31, and I am here with Michael Bailey and Scott Gardner. Hello!
1: I like raisins.
3: <laughs> and they like me.
1: I, I like raisins, and they make me feel good about myself. Unlike when the gym teacher gives me the special hug. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a rather well, dark way to bring you. this one in. Let's, Hi everybody. let's talk about comics <laughs> and not child molestation. Oh,
3: it's funny you mention oh, that because on. this is the special <laughs> all child molestation <laughs> comics. It's. It, oh,
1: are we going to talk about that power pack? Exactly. The, they're, yeah. all, they're all the
3: comics look- about young superheroes getting touched inappropriately.
1: <laughs> Where the we're the, uh, the child molester that looks like Uncle Ben tries to touch Peter Parker. <laughs>
4: Oh, that's
2: right! I forgot about that.
1: <laughs> Shows him porn and then wants to like jack off nice. or something. It... I missed <laughs> that one. Yeah. You didn't. You never saw that? They gave it away at
3: school.
2: It was free in the Watertown Daily Times. How the hell could you not have they seen that? They
3: had a free comic in the Watertown Daily Times of Peter Parker watching yep. porn with his with a uh, Uncle Ben yes. clone. Yes. I, I would have certainly remembered that if I would have seen it. <laughs> I missed that. God damn it. <laughs>
1: That is that is twisted enough for Christmas. <laughs> I would remember
3: that, yeah.
1: He <laughs> doesn't remember the time you guys buried that body, but you know. Well,
3: yeah, but the Peter brain per- does funny things with that sort of thing, you know. <laughs> Compartmentalizes, yes. yes.
1: I feel like at this point we should. um we should talk about fast food for about twenty minutes, like we did last. <laughs> oh, well, you know, what, you know, no, you know what's so
3: funny is 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 it spilled into the forum too, and and the hair metal hero was singing the praises of uh, Five Guys, and just reading that that his you know his comment on Five Guys within two days, I had a Five Guys burger in me because the uh, my my roommate <laughs> was taking was like I'm not, I heard you had Five Guys in you that, that, that was the way I heard
4: uh, the story. <laughs>
3: Anyway, and Scott, Scott was never heard from it again. <laughs> it's just like the body buried it. I'll just pretend I never, ha- I never heard that at all. Um, but yeah, just from the, just from like a bacon burger with jalapenos mentioned, bacon cheeseburger with jalapenos from Five Guys mentioned on the forum, and we were driving by, and and dinner was on my, or lunch was on my roommate. And she was like, "Where do you want to eat?" And I'm like, "That five guys looks really good." And you don't have to ask her twice with five guys. Oh yeah,
1: I was about to say that's uh... no.
3: I yeah. As soon as yeah, that's why when I read that, my stomach just started going five guys. (laughs) (laughs) That was creepy. Thank you. (laughs) My stomach is creepy. So I've heard. and the rest of you is not not
2: too
1: welcome no, I, was say. I was about to say <laughs>
0: <laughs> Michael notices Scott's Skype avatar
1: why are you slim Whitman tonight Scott
3: because he sold <laughs> no, more albums than Elvis that... and the Beatles put together <laughs> <laughs> Elvis and the Beatles where's combined? that boxcar <laughs> Willie I can't is remember
1: <laughs> is that like a, a real statistic or is that a fake statistic
2: that's what the commercials used
3: to say when we were kids on TV. When when okay. it was
2: either Chris is right, it was either Slim Whitman or Box. It was probably comedy, both of them. It
3: was everybody. It was Montavani. It was the Living Strings. Right. It was, yeah. It was Zom Fear and his fucking yeah. pan flute. They, All those commercials used to
2: say that. You know, this artist sold more albums than Elvis and the Beatles combined. Which, you know, that could be true. In Maybe Estonia they sold or like something, Ethobians yeah, exactly. Or something, yeah, exactly. But it's but it's St-
3: funny <laughs> that we came up with two E countries, two cu- two countries that start with E in totally different parts of the world.
1: <laughs> it's it's Slim Whitman is must listening in Latvia, uh-huh. so that's.
3: Well, I remember being...
1: Dr. Doom's a fan. I remember
3: being at a, at a <laughs> con once, and there was a filk guy there, and oh, he God. was so over-the-top pretentious. I mean, he was just like...
1: Really? A filk singer that's over-the-top yeah, pretentious? I'm fucking Sometimes shocked. they're fun and
3: goofy, but mostly they are. But this guy was like... He was like Will Ferrell doing a skit. And I remember, like, <laughs> after his... His present his show, which was in you know, uh, in a you know, just a little side room in the hotel, you know, with some chairs pulled up. After the show, and everybody was like gathered around him and fawning around him. He was telling them about how many, you know, how big he was in Latvia or whatever, you know, with the people of Doctor Doom's country or whatever, and you know, this third world country that worshipped him like a god, and they had him on the same level as Elvis and blah, blah, blah. And, like, most people that would be saying that would be saying that, like, with a sense of humor, like, you know, oh, guess what? In Lithu- Lithuania, I'm bigger than Hasselhoff, you know, or something like that, you know, is just so maybe as being sort of self-deprecating. But he was just like, there I am a god, and one day I will go there and rule and mount all their women and, you know, drink all their wine. <laughs> you know, the,
1: I I was introduced to the concept of filking through that Trekkies documentary, mm-hmm. and I didn't like that guy, and <laughs> I go to Dragon Con, and I really don't like those people either. Uh, some of them are very, rather good musicians, uh, not my, di- not here's my bad. How, here's how you can so. tell,
3: here's how you can know if you want to get good, if you're going to get good filk. If you want to, if <laughs> if it's filk and it's worth listening to, it will make it. I'm sorry, I know that somebody in the audience
2: is going to ask the same question, so I will ask it for it. What the fuck is a filk? I have no idea what you're folk talking
3: about. Music, but it's F I is in sci-fi folk music, so it's basically oh, someone. I think we've played it's usually someone with an acoustic guitar and maybe they're doing songs like Weird Al style, like pop songs with different words or. Or they usually they'll often write their own, but they'll all be about Star Trek or you know Lord of the Rings. Wasn't that song we played a while back? That
2: beam me up, Scotty,
3: beam me up. That, that would like be a filk filk. Song, That would That right? would that would be in that genre, yes. And yeah, and now. And if, if 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 the filk is worth listening to, it will make its way eventually to Doctor Demento, and be on the Doctor Demento show. He'll pick out the stuff that's honestly funny or. You know, a lot of times, if it's not funny, it's the most painful thing in the world when they try to... Be, this guy did this, you know, <laughs> I am Van Helsing, the hunter of the damned, you know. It,
1: Isn't that from that movie Forgetting Sarah Marshall?
3: I don't know. I never saw it, but...
1: There's a Van Helsing song oh. in there that's actually quite funny, surprisingly. But it's from a musical. It's not a film-type thing. This so.
3: one was done to, like... Was it an old Civil War song? Or was, it was done to the... It was done to the tune of Ghost Riders in the Sky. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so. How the hell did we get on to this subject? I don't know. How the uh, hell did j- we get how, on this? How do subject? we always get on these subjects? We started subjects? talking I about know. food oh, is I, know I, cannot,
2: <laughs> I cannot wait to dub in Indian Love Call into the the background oh, of this episode. The, that's all Slim I know. Slim Whitman,
3: I, don't, I have learned to love Slim Whitman he's a great he is a great singer he had one of the most insane you know falsetto yodely voices ever and you know when we were kids it was pure mockery but it's make it but now that I see some Slim Whitman you know see him perform Rosalie and it's just like wow that's some strong singing it makes me almost think maybe I should go back and listen to some Boxcar Willie and see if that's not worth uh, (laughs) checking out um, well, I know that you know we we like you say, you know we we grew up watching those
2: commercials on TV and laughing and ridiculing and all that. But then at some point, I got the uh, Mars Attack soundtrack, and it has you know one of the last tracks on there is Indian Love Call. You know, it's the song they they play to save the world in yeah. that movie, and it's a damn oh, good yeah. song. And I listened to it, I'm like, hey, I like yes. this. You know, so yeah, you never know. <laughs> but those commercials were what was so goofy because he was just. He's not a
3: pretty no man. Let's just put
2: it. No, he, he was, he he was a,
3: like a not a handsome sort cowboy. Sort of like um, a cowboy with a porno slash cop mustache. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. In, in a porn mustache. Yeah. That's a you great know that yeah yeah he did.
1: I'm trying to remember those commercials because it, it's it's like the commercials I remember from when I was a kid. Since I'm about eight years younger than you guys. Um, were like the like the number for the, the the tape of Goofy answering machine messages like pick up the phone pick
3: up the phone <laughs> pick up the yeah,
4: phone
1: God
3: you were, well you know what was about your time was Hey man is that <laughs> Freedom Rock well, Yeah man up, <laughs> yes. Well, turn it up turn it up man turn it up, That's dude. that's t- that was totally your time period <laughs> yes. I'm thinking,
1: but I I remember Zom fear and the pan flutes rather well
2: I got ratted out at work the other night as you know for my age because you know I I just happened to be in the break room and everybody else you know all all my colleagues that were in the break room with me at the same time were easily a good at least 20 years younger than me and I noticed a commercial came on and an oldie but a goldie has come back from the grave and it was the
4: I've "I've fallen and and I can't get get
2: up but it was a no it was a new version of that commercial with the old woman actually falling and when she fell I started laughing my ass off just like I used uh, to to uh. the original one and everybody turned to look at me like what the fuck is the matter with you an old woman just And that's what and that's where you go yeah, going, yeah what the know. fuck is the matter
0: with you
3: an old woman
0: just fell <laughs> <laughs> down you laughing <laughs> If I'm
1: going to go to hell for any yeah. reason or if I'm going to be killed by science fiction fandom or science fiction fantasy fandom, it will be for introducing that line into the Hobbit.
2: <laughs> I remember you telling me. <laughs>
5: what, what are you talking about?
1: Because in the ninth grade, I was in this, uh, the, the musical that we did at Iyer junior high school was Ooh, the Hobbit. Wow. And I got cast as Bilbo along with this other guy. Um, they, they, They've shared beliefs. I'm sorry I'm
3: laughing, man. But every time I have to Photoshop your face, oh dear God. Oh my god. Oh my god, I know what the picture for this month's show is gonna be. I got
1: Are you gonna do the rankin' bass (laughs) thing? Is that what No no,
3: we're gonna be hobbits man though. Oh we're gonna be hobbits. (laughs) <laughs> but, oh, God, uh, I can't wait I to see you as Bilbo. Bilbo, bags Bilbo by, uh, by <laughs> you better watch <laughs> your step, though, Scott. I might make you into Gollum.
1: That actually kind of makes sense. There's a video in the other room of, of the performances that I was Bilbo uh, that I found the <laughs> other day. Put those up but, on um, Facebook, kid. It's, if, if I could transfer them to the computer, I would. Um, but it was, it was a really horrible adaptation of The Hobbit. The music wasn't all that good. There was like one or two maybe good songs, and it's kind of a boring, boring play uh, or musical. And so I would just do funny shit during rehearsal just to amuse myself. And at one point, I'm trying to get away from Gollum, and I just blurt out, you know, help Gollum, I've fallen and I can't get up. And the producer... <laughs> Uh, Mrs. Vasileros pulled me aside at one point and I thought she was going to tell me to stop doing it but she looked at me and she said this is a boring show anything you can do to make this funny <laughs> Please, go ahead yes. so, <laughs> Please this goes on my
5: record <laughs>
1: <laughs> So uh, yeah I introduced that saying into Tolkien fiction and someone's going to take me Did out Did they used for to call her day. Mrs.
3: Vasalino was that one of her nicknames cuz that's what <laughs> Scott and I would Not that I remember
1: her. she was she was kind of like the mom uh-huh. figure of the musicals at the at the at the uh, at the junior high school, so everybody uh, liked
3: her, is what you're saying?
1: Yeah, they were. Uh, Scott she and was... I still
3: would have called her Mrs. Vesel. The... <laughs> yes.
1: She was. Uh, she and her family were Mormons, so there was about a billion of them. But the oldest, Sean, was actually a cool guy. He he came back from his missionary. I heard work. they were he was a slippery bunch. <laughs> Have you guys heard of the? Uh, oh wait, role wait, wait! wait. Now, no, no, I didn't
3: mean to cut you off. You were saying about the miss- the, the missionary yeah. position. Well, that,
1: that actually, that actually, <laughs> the question actually tied into that, jackass. Um, <laughs> but have you guys heard of the the role playing game? I think it's called Paranoia. No, why do you ask? Yes, I think
2: I've been playing that my entire life. What do you mean?
1: Well, th- we've yeah, exactly.
3: What are you <laughs> talking no, about? No, I've never I- heard of it.
1: Ian was the one that told us about that. Ian was the one in his senior year of high school, when I was a sophomore, would walk around with that giant binder of AD&D cards from, like, 91, 92, if you guys remember those.
3: No, Uh, I was, was, yeah, I was, I I remember them. I've never had them, but I remember seeing them, like, in the comic shop and stuff.
1: So he was a, he was, he was, he was he was a geek. So, it was rather cool, actually. So. Well,
2: that story just kind of petered
1: out. <laughs> I was about to say, I was expecting you guys to, like, pick <laughs> up the slack for No, we're going to let Mike hang out to die. Yeah.
4: <laughs> we're
2: all about just throwing you out on the stage to just die. Yep,
3: just like <laughs> Mrs. Vasilino did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just hope that you come Help up Mike with some good and he, yeah, hope get up. he comes up with some good ad libs man because this show's going nowhere <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh somebody save this episode fast what are we talking about
1: well I, get, I, I think we all got stuff in the mail this week
2: <gasps> Yes. what'd you get Mike
1: well um I got um I've been catching up on Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps, so I got a bunch of those more recent issues cheap. But the thing that I got that made me the happiest is uh, I was a devotee of Comics Scene Magazine uh, when I was first starting to collect comics. This is the second iteration of Comics Scene. And... For some reason, when I was about 16 years old, I got this dumb notion in my head that I'm going to cut these articles up and put them in file folders because that way I'll have them as reference material.
4: (laughs) Dumbass.
1: So I cut up all my comic scene magazines. Well, over the last couple of years, I've managed to get them all back, except for one issue. Until now comic scene magazine number 17 came in the mail the other day it was rather cheap it's like five or six bucks but i vividly remember when i bought this it was christmas break um, my sophomore year my friend ben and i were hanging out at the mall and i went into barnes and i mean not barnes and Noble. <laughs> a little ahead of its time. I went into Walden books and picked this up and it's got a Jim Lee X-Men cover with Havoc, Jubilee, Psylocke, and Wolverine. And it's got a, um, Simpsons thing in the corner because, well, you really can't get away from that. Mm -hmm. Can you (laughs) in the early nineties or even now Simpsons are everywhere, but this is actually a really good issue. It has a Frank Miller interview, which is kind of cool. It has a interview with Dennis Cowan, who did the question from the uh, late eighties yeah. uh, and yeah. the Deathlock series. Um, it's got an interview, second part of an interview with Alan Grant, who wrote Detective Comics and The Demon, and uh, he talks mostly about the Batman Judge Dread crossover that was uh, about to happen at the time. There's an X Men article. There's a Tiny Tune Adventures article, and I don't know if you guys watched it. I don't know if you were too busy being grown-ups in 91 to watch Tiny Toons. Oh, no, but no, I it watched was a,
3: Tiny Toons religiously. That was a great show.
1: It was kind of like the they geared us up for Animaniacs. It was a nice transition. Uh, but it also has an article on Omaha Cat Dancer.
2: I loved that series.
1: So that was the first time I ever... Uh, heard about it, actually. There's a Rescuers Down Under article, uh, which
3: I don't give a shit about. Uh, Hey, that's a great And it had nudity like Omaha Cane Dancer. (laughs) No, that (laughs) (laughs) was the first Rescuers. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) There is a giant article on... It's called Heroes in Toyland. Comic folks are taking over a mall near you, and they have a picture of the Marvel chess set. The Dick Tracy uh, action figures that came out around that time. Um, Ertl, which was usually made like toy cars, put out in the early 90s a DC line of figures that were die cast metal. Do you guys remember those?
2: Figures or. Yeah, I remember Ertl. I remember remember the cars because I had the Supermobile, I think.
1: Mm hmm. This is. After that, they put out a line of little die-cast action – well, not action figures, but statues of Captain Marvel and Supergirl. Oh, wow. And the look and the Green Lantern and uh, Superman and Batman. There is a thing on the then-new Toy Biz Marvel figures, the first line, that were god-awful. Hulk had a rock – (laughs) <laughs> leading to this really that great That sounds thing. familiar.
3: I think I remember that one. I remember seeing that one.
1: But the, the interesting thing about this article, and it's why I like reading Comic Scene and even Early Wizard, because you never know who's going to pop up. I have, from the first series of Comic Scene, uh, it was an article on the direct market written by Peter David. Oh, wow. Before he was a professional and I had him sign the article because when I go to like Dragon Con or something, I like to bring interesting things for people yeah. to sign. Either interesting things or things that mean a lot to me. And I've gotten a lot of stuff signed by Peter David, but I brought that article and I, and I plunked it down. and go. I, I said, I found this. I thought it was interesting. I thought I'd get you to sign it. And he goes, this is what got me my job at Marvel because he interviewed Carol Kalish in that article and she turned around and started interviewing him. And set up an interview because he was just about to lose the job he had had at the time, uh, working for some book publisher. So that 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 getting that side was worth the story. But this one is written by Eddie Berganza, who would eventually go on to be a, an editor at DC Comics, and he edited the Superman titles from '99 to 2006. So that was kind of cool. There is also an article with an interview with Matt Salinger, the Captain
3: America from the 1990s.
1: Oh, God. Um, Did you ever
3: see that, Chris? I've seen I, – I remember, like, downloading it once to check it out and not getting very far at all before. I was just like, you know, this isn't <laughs> even amusing hard. me in a bad way.
1: There are some good st- – Parts to it. It's 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 overall ass, but um, yeah. but uh, it, it's what really interesting. The what?
2: I'm sorry. What did you uh, pay for that uh, comic scene? Just of uh, like
1: on? six bucks with shipping.
2: That's not too bad.
1: I mean, I, I you see, I got a lot that had like the entire first series and almost a solid run from like one to twenty four of the second series for mm-hmm. like fifteen bucks on eBay six years ago. So paying $6 for this one, it's that Murphy's Law we're always talking about. Right, yeah. Where you pay a little more, but in the end it all evens out in a weird way. So – but it was definitely, definitely worth getting it it. It was like I opened it up and I looked at it and suddenly the day I bought it came flashing back like really freaking hard. Like I remember sitting there reading it while we were eating. There was a pizza place at the Trexler Town Mall, and we were sitting there eating pizza. And I was reading this article and uh, uh, reading the articles and looking at Jubilee on the cover and wondering because I had never read X Men before uh, this why she looked why she had Robin's costume because she had the yellow jacket, the green shorts, the green gloves, and the red top. And I found out later that and that green was actually, shades, yeah. And I found out later that that was actually an ongoing joke among fans, that she looked so much like Robin, which is why when they did that god-awful, what was that called? All Access miniseries. Aw, I liked that. I wasn't a big... Both that and the Unlimited Access were not as good.
2: Yeah, the last one I didn't like, although um, one... Was it that one or was it All... There was one of them that had Jonah Hex in it that I liked quite a bit. That that part was cool. I can't remember if that was the second or the third one, but I liked that one you're talking about just because Robin and, uh, and Jubilee got to hook up. And yeah. I thought that was pretty cool.
1: Oh, Speaking of Jonah Hex, I finally got to see the animated short. What would you think? Did. Um, it was actually really good. I would like to read the original story because I have a feeling that it's a lot more hard-hitting.
2: I think that is an original story in that one, but well, that's could based be wrong. on an
1: issue of the Palmiati and gray series.
2: Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I either, I either haven't read that issue or I don't, I just don't remember it, but,
1: uh, it was pretty good I, though.
2: Like, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was pretty good, but, uh, what, what really, uh, impressed me the most was, um, Thomas Jane voicing he Jonah. should Heck.
1: have played that character in yep. a freaking movie. I agree. Holy I crap. Part. He would have been in that role.
3: I agree. Someday absolutely, we're going to have to do a little review of that since we've both seen it now. Yeah, but, uh, both seen yeah. Jonah. Hex. It's funny you should mention comic scene though. I used to have a, I just by luck, when when I was a kid, I can't remember if it was my parents or my grandparents, so somebody got some magazine deal thing. You know, probably scammy thing. And, and they were like, it was, it was like, you know, sign up for 15 magazines and you only have to buy one subscription or whatever. I think it was my grandparents did that. So they bought, they bought me a subscription to this comic magazine and I can't remember what it was called, but it literally only lasted two issues and it was terrible and I was like, "Oh geez, you know I didn't want to seem ungrateful to my grandparents, but I felt bad because it was this terrible magazine. And then it folded, and it was the company's policy that if a magazine folded before your subscription, that you would get two full subscriptions in its place, but they got to pick them. But I ended up with a, a subscription to comic scene and a comic the comic journal. And oh, yeah wow. And, uh,
1: wow, <laughs> one was more suited to you than the other. They, really? <laughs> they, well, they, well,
3: I yeah. liked both of them. Intense that they were both a hundred thousand times better than the other one, which was totally fluffy and just like poorly put together. It was no surprise it didn't last, but it was great because I ended up with, and that's where I got. You know, I got to read a lot of interviews with the the, the Marvel and DC guys for comic scene, but then the comic journal was what where I learned about a lot of uh, not just the indie stuff, but some of the older stuff, you know, like the, you know.
1: In both of its iterations, comic scene was fantastic. One, because it was put out by the same publisher as Starlog. Uh-huh. Yes. And there was a while there where Starlog was like a legitimate source of news. Oh, hell yeah. For the science fiction community. Um, and... When, you know, when they put out the first series, which which has a lot of great articles and it was very slick packaging, it's, it's, it's where I read one of the Jack Kirby talking out of his ass interviews where he basically claims he, he everything created everything world. at Marvel. I mean, and, and I'm not saying that to mock Kirby because I have a lot of respect for Kirby, but there was a while there when he was fighting to get his artwork back that he was a bitter, bitter old man. So, but they also had an interview at one point with David and Leslie Newman, who worked on the screenplays of Superman number one through three. And I almost wanted to punch David Newman in the in the face because at one point he basically says, "Well, it's comic books, so they're crap. So we got to make them better." And I was like, "Oh wow, well, glad glad to see that mentality has has left good, Hollywood." Good
3: basis for right. A movie right there. Great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but the second series hit me, like I said, just about a year after I started reading comics. And it was it was literally it was literally my first step into a larger world. Because (laughs) there's a difference between seeing all the comics on the newsstand at Walden Books and at the little the like the new literally the newsstand that was at Trexertown Mall or at the Superfresh. But to be able to read articles where they interview people. And read about upcoming storylines before they happened. I had never gotten that before. So it was just fantastic to, to be able to buy that every other month and to read about the Superboy series before it came out. Or read that long article with Marv Wolfman about the 1988 Ruby Spears Superman series. Or, or watch the progress. Basically, you can chart the progress of the Batman film in, that, yeah. in those early issues of comic scene. Uh, and they, in this one article, they, they interviewed Sam Hamm, the guy that wrote the script, uh, the, the first and second draft of Batman. And there was like a bunch of actors that they were like, who's going to play the Joker? Will it be Jack Nicholson? Will it be Ray Liotta or Willem Dafoe? And it was a picture of Willem Dafoe from Streets of Fire. And it was a black and white photo. And I swear to freaking God, he looked like the Joker in the photo they had. And that was just it, – it brings back so many happy memories, which is why I'm so glad I got this magazine. Uh, but that was basically my big Starlog,
3: – Starlog was great. And Scott, do you remember oh, yeah. I used yes. to have a subscription? And I think I got it through the Whole Earth Review magazine or the Carvolution Quarterly, whatever it was called at the time. And it was called Cinemagic and it was put out by Starlog. Yeah. And it was basically yeah. – just how if you were a kid how you know if you got if you could get your hands on a super 8 camera or you know wanted to do stop motion animation it basically told you how to do it nuts and bolts style you know here's the cameras you should buy here's here's how you plot out animations here's how you build you know the 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 skeleton of the model for your stop motion but it was aimed at kids And the second half of it was basically all just reviews of movies that kids had made and sent in for them to screen and, you know, with a, with a, like a promo picture and stuff. And that was very inspirational to see that. The only thing, the only thing Scott, I would always wonder what would have happened if Scott and I had gotten a whole, had, had access to, you know, a, a, of super 8 movie camera what would have happened
2: i can only imagine we had plans Oh yeah
3: we had scripts and storyboards and and costumes for all the characters drop pictures of all the characters drawn out and everything as we
2: we just lacked budget
3: (laughs) (laughs) we lacked funding $5 $5 a week yeah, allowance definitely. didn't go very far in the film world and the, especially. You
1: guys should go back in time and have uh, Steven Spielberg fund you
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he would have at that point he might now. He's a little edgier now, but I don't know about then. Right. I mean,
1: wasn't well, that the entire point of Super Eight?
3: Well, is
1: that they're making their own movie?
3: S- Scott and I got Scott and I got a hold of a video camera one day, and and the first thing we filmed was taking Scott's whip out and whipping the head off Baby Alive. So <laughs> so given time and budget, it sounds and like a horror film, was...
0: Baby Alive. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I think we
3: put batteries in, so the jaw was. Wh- yep. And, and baby alive had a whole skeleton skull structure, skull and jaw structure underneath, like flexible. So it's it made a real creepy noise when struck by a whip. You know, very similar, I would imagine, to a real uh, alive baby
5: skull. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> that's. I just, just remember.
3: Wrong. I just remember one of them, where. Scott took a crack with the whip, but before he did, it was from a National Enquirer commercial. And Scott goes, Is Marilyn Monroe's ghost crying murder from the grave? And then he goes, Whoops! whips the head clean off it and goes, Murder! (laughs) When I was
1: uh, 15 years old, my friend Ben got a video camera for his birthday. And we filmed skits like you wouldn't believe. We did com- we did our own comedy skits. Do they we still did, exist? We you know, we, the, I don't know. The video of me, Ben, his girlfriend at the time, Steph, our friend Christy, my like friend Larry, and Eric <laughs> doing the floor show uh-huh. version of the Rocky Horror Picture Show because uh, Ben had a projection screen television.
3: Oh, okay, yeah.
1: And we put Rocky on in the background, and we all acted it out in the <laughs> in the front. Funny thing about that is that I had to stand in for Magenta at one point during the uh, "Damn it!" I mean uh, the um, "Touch a touch a touch mm-hmm. me" scene, and you know, Columbia is painting her toenails. Well, Steph or Christy or whoever was playing Columbia painted my toenails. So the next day, I, like, I go home that night, I go to bed, my dad knocks on the door the next morning, has me get up, says we're going to go driving because I was wanting to drive at the time. I walk past him, I say good morning, I get into the bathroom, I stretch up, I look down and my toes are bright pink still. So uh, kind of glad. He either didn't see it or just shook his head and walked Here, away here's and I didn't the thing. see
3: it. All you have to do is look at your dad straight in the eye and go, I know dad, a girl did it to me. And they go, say no more, son. Say no more. But but we actually gave our friend Jen for her
1: birthday a video. And she showed it at her birthday party. And I didn't know
3: she did this. You better this check YouTube. until it might about be out. there by now.
1: Until about three months later, I'm at this place called Pine Tree, which was this awesome place in Emmaus. And it was three sections. On the first section was an ice cream shop. The middle was an arcade. And the other side served pizza. So it was like the place to hang out I'm sitting there playing World Still Heroes. That sounds like the
3: place <laughs> to hang out. <laughs> yes.
1: <Yeah. laughs> and this dude walks up to me, I shit you not He goes, You're bare chested man And I was like looked at him, I'm like, What are you talking about? He's like, I saw your video oh, And this no. starts getting really I'm like, what are you talking? I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, I went to Jen Gribben's birthday party. She played the video. You and your friend, you and your friend, you were bare-chested man. And he walked over to his buddy, pointed to me, and went, "That's bare-chested man." <laughs> hey, everybody. One of the skits we did was this <laughs> was the stupid superhero convention. And at one point, I opened up my shirt and I was bare-chested <laughs> man. And the bit was my brother, uh, you know. Totally Naked Man couldn't make it because he had to run in with the authorities and now he's arrested on a felony charge. Did you say
3: man. Totally Naked Man? My yeah. friend and I were working on a script once called Totally Naked Man. <laughs> we have so, to talk about that sometime. That was,
1: that was the very first time anyone ever recognized me and it was the most surreal experience
3: of my Maybe life. Maybe you could be Totally Naked Man if we ever get this movie made. You'll never be Totally Naked on screen. It anticip the whole movie <laughs> like- anticipated that one Austin Powers gag where everywhere gag. he went, the you know his penis was blocked by something. This was gonna have this through an entire movie. Actually, wow. the, uh, we we were trying to we wanted we wrote it to sell it by saying we were gonna sell it by saying Chris Elliott. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is how stupid we were. We were like Chris Elliott would be the li- perfect leading man in this, and he would have been, which meant nobody would have bought it. <laughs>
1: I'm really surprised that we went from Comic Scene Magazine to yeah. this. <laughs>
2: well, going going back to that, you're going to have to let me know how uh, how that article is on The Rescuers Down Under, because uh, I'd be very curious. That's a very, very underrated movie, but an excellent movie. You've never seen it?
1: No, but we have all the Disney VHS tapes in the other end of the house, so I can't. I, I, I have access I would... to it.
2: I'd venture a guess that you would really enjoy I saw, it. I, I think it's a really solid I saw movie. Got No Fur Down Under.
3: Well, I, I saw Got No Fur Down Under, but I think that was like part six or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Got No Fur Down Under. Yeah, part six or part eight or something. It was a round number. I know that. <laughs> You're just wrong.
2: But no, you need to check it out, especially if uh, you you like uh, George C. Scott, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is a great villain, a great bad guy in that movie. Arguably, my my favorite Disney bad guy because he's just, really, yeah, he's so he's just awesome in that movie. I've you heard see, great you things that. about
3: that. I heard The Rescuers is pretty good, but The Rescuers Down Under is like surpasses it and is just
1: real. Okay, well we'll have to we'll have to dig those out and watch those because yeah. Rachel, for those new to the show, my wife. Um, at one point was buying every Disney film as it was coming out on video. So mm-hmm. this was like all through the 90s. So we have this giant VHS collection of Disney movies. And we haven't been as good with the DVDs, but the DVDs are just so damn expensive. Right. <laughs> and we managed to get a lot of little later videos pretty cheap by buying them previously viewed, which sounds rather rude.
2: <laughs> Actually, well, anybody... Anybody listening that, that likes documentaries and that that sort of thing, behind-the-scenes glimpses and that sort of thing, check out a movie. It's a couple of years old now, I think. It was called uh, Waking Sleeping Beauty. And it's this really great... Uh, documentary doesn't really do it justice. It's it's kind of like... I mean, it is a documentary, but it's, it's really composed largely of footage taken right as things were happening and and it charts the progress of when the disney animation machine shut down and then came back alive and kicking really strong with you know when they Little little mermaid and that sort of thing well well rescuers down under was the next movie after little mermaid
1: and was that i thought that was after beauty and the beast
2: no, it, uh, it's right after Little Mermaid, and I'm trying to think of what the next was it
3: Aladdin, maybe?
2: Next it movie? Wow, let me see. I'll be able to. I can look. The it only up
1: reason I here. say that is that I saw Beauty and the Beast my, the over the Thanksgiving break of my sophomore year of high school. So that was '91. This was the right. very end of '91, and they were advertising the Rescuers Down Under.
2: Yeah, see it it, it's, it' yeah it's little it goes uh, Little Mermaid Rescue is done under Beauty and the Beast Aladdin. so it's just kind of lost in the mix of all these other movies that everybody remembers that were so huge from that time you know because Little Mermaid came out and was just enormous you know a, a huge hit as was Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and they were on quite a roll for a while. And somehow Rescuers Down Under was the the misfire in the bunch. It just it just I, totally failed to to capture an audience at the box office. And there's a it's not a very long sequence of that movie Waking Sleeping Beauty, but there's a, a portion of that that kind of talks about it and talks to one of the, the people that was heavily involved in the production of it and how he was just devastated when the movie came out and was basically a flop. And it was really interesting to gain that insight because this is a movie I've always looked at and gone, "Man, why don't people remember this movie?" And yeah, I, I don't know. They just people just haven't seen it, but it's, it's great. Been, it's, it's a it's, really good over the movie. years
3: it's been getting I, I, its due. You know, it's it, the, the movies like that always do. You know, it's it's had a second mm-hmm. life and it's gotten I, lots of love.
1: I really want to see that documentary, though, because that time period in, like, the late 70s and the 80s Mm -hmm. when Disney was just throwing things out there. Right. uh, You know, like The Black Cauldron, which I'm not a very big fan of.
2: That's discussed uh, quite a bit in that documentary, yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, Oliver and Company. And one of my favorites of that era, Great Mouse Detective, which is an awesome film. You know, mm-hmm. just all that weird stuff. Uh, Thomas DJ, friend of ours, and Derek Ferguson spent an entire episode of their, um, or, like, the bulk of one of their episodes of Better in the Dark, which is a movie podcast they did. Really mm-hmm. early in that run, they discussed, like, all of the live-action films that came out of Disney at that time, too. Like, Something Wicked This Way Comes that was a and great movie's movie. like oh god we want we, we got it from netflix i forgot how damn scary that I was, movie so, was i was oh, so yeah. pissed
3: off when that movie came out because it's one of my favorite books and i always wanted to like i was like when i'm a filmmaker i'm gonna make something wicked this way comes into a movie because i could see just how it would be made and when they made it i was like shit this can't be as good as my imagination and when i went to see it there were like three scenes in it that were exactly like I pictured them which I think is a testament to Bradbury's prose but that movie was mm-hmm. and that movie had a great cast too you know and was yeah that was a classy scary yeah, movie Jason yeah.
2: Robards and, and the guy uh, from the Jaguar the commercial is Mr. The scene with Jason Robards and, or whatever his the scene name with was. Jason Robards dark. in the
3: library dark, that was where, the, where the dark oh, man yes, is ripping, the pages, ripping the pages out of the book is is exactly the way and the, and the scene where the train comes into town is exactly the only thing that I missed from that that I thought I would have loved to see in that movie was there was a whole scene in the book where a, bl- a witch who's blind and deaf and has her eyes and mouth sewn shut flies above the town in a hot air balloon because she can smell where the kids live And she's like trying to find where they live, and she has a big pail full of snail slime and a paintbrush. And she goes by their houses and puts big X's on their houses so that they can find them later at night, so they know where they live because of the meddling kids. And it was just, and they chase her down and they try to shoot the balloon down. And it's a, a would have been a great movie scene, but I don't think they. I think it would have cost too much in the movie.
1: Probably. I mean the special effects in that film were yeah, good. It was, the, it was, yeah. Anyways. So uh, no, I just I, I I remember seeing that like when I was really, really young, when it was like on HBO for the first time. Yeah. Uh, and I hadn't seen it since. Um and we we rented it or we got it from Netflix and I was just like blown away by how well it stood up. Especially and I really trying to remember his name the guy that played Mr. Dark who was also in Jumpin' Jack Flash and he was in the Pirates of the Caribbean films Jonathan yeah. Price yes. That's was it. just just freaking became yeah. that role I mean just and he was evil but he wasn't over the top evil
3: oh he was he, but was he wasn't a, like, the satanic like, charming evil you know yeah well, but do you remember you, you when he
2: was the shill for Jaguar for a lot yes. of a lot of years? I, I remember when those commercials first started coming out, going, "Mr. Dark is selling cars <laughs> now." What? The, what? The? It was it's just like the yeah, such it's a like weird the emperor disconnect. selling.
3: Yeah. Cars. It's like <laughs> the emperor yeah. selling Subarus. Just say like, yes. Drive
0: <laughs> Subaru X40. Something, something,
1: something, four-wheel drives. (laughs) Something, (laughs) something safe. Something airbags. (laughs) Uh, Though, before I forget this, and it has nothing to do with comics and everything, but I was watching Mythbusters the other day. They were doing an episode on sound effects and movies and how realistic they are. Do you guys remember on HBO that little short movie they would show every once in a while that had on one side the movie and on the other side the other the guys doing the sound oh effects oh my god for i Foley? haven't
3: seen that in a long time they shoot clips from Ooh. it
1: and i was just like oh my god what did you say it was called <laughs>
2: scott foley's well that's what the guys yeah. are called that do that sort of thing they're called yeah. boy, i have no idea what movie you're talking about but yeah
1: no, it was this short film that would play on HBO around the same time as Hardware Wars and the one where the, the, the guy gets by eaten the, by the, the
3: film. tape, yeah, the magnetic tape.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh but it was like on one side you saw like a cop chasing a guy and then they get into a fight, and that's on one side, but on the other you have the guys like doing the sound and effects. Like
3: breaking pieces of celery and Dude. stuff like that. That one with the
2: tape you're talking about—that was that to the tune of Purple Haze. No, that's
3: a Purple Haze video that they shot in the '80s oh, okay. to go along with the All song. Right. But it was—that was just the tape pulling itself out of the reels and playing itself. This was a tape that like lured people to a job interview and ate them, consumed them like the Blob. <laughs> it was great. <laughs>
1: I'm glad I, I that wasn't like a fever dream or yeah, something. Yeah, no, that <laughs> was
3: real. It's all, it's, it's all over YouTube and it's a great it's a great little low budget movie and it was all made you know si- they shot it silently and did a lot of all the sound effects are foleyed in on that one too and it's just it's a great it's it's back when movies like that you know it was kind of expensive to make your own little 16mm film but it was like the equivalent of a youtube film then somebody would film something like that or hardware wars and then you know play you know the the best you could do is get it on the circuit of touring around the library system to schools yeah. and on hbo short you know subjects i
2: love hardware wars it, it's awesome
3: so do you know the, the
2: narrator of Hardware Wars is Paul Freeze? No. He's the, I mean, amongst the many, 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 many voice credits to his name, like uh, Boris Badenov and things like that, he's the ghost host in the Haunted host, Mansion.
0: Your ghost host. <laughs> Kindly step all the way in, please, and make room for everyone. There's no turning back now. Oh. I was like no way.
2: Yeah,
3: but yeah, it's the same. I mean, how did they score Paul three? Well, he's he buddies with them. For yeah, hardware the work? Yeah, could they, be. They were probably it was probably made by in California by a bunch of you know, film guys that probably worked on movies together, and students yeah, or they probably yeah. worked on movies and said, "Hey, I got some extra film. Let's make a little short movie in our spare time." You know, we'll get we'll get Freeze to do the, you know, we'll get him drunk and we'll get him to do the voiceover. You know, he'll do it. It'll <laughs> be a good afternoon. We'll have ribs. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I love your so, behind-the-scenes,
2: yeah, totally uh, yeah, that are totally made up by my. They're total bullshit. Yes, so, <laughs> The slices
3: of real fake life. So yes. So I. Oh, but speaking of things
2: that came in the mail. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you have uh, something? What did you get I in the mail? Just,
3: I, I got. I actually. I sent stuff out in the mail, but I. I did ah. get. I did get. Um Darth Vader lost command number two, so They weren't bombs, no. were they? Yeah, no. I was about to say it was it got, an you know, I keep
0: getting
3: <laughs> When I'm trolling people online they keep they, they keep comparing me to the Unabomber and you know come on I like technology dude
2: when you came out walking out of the bus station in Orlando you You totally were were, you were totally I can't believe that
3: at no point in my entire trip down to Florida I wasn't stopped and frisked because there were wires I had I had a friggin power strip attached to the outside of my backpack so I could recharge stuff with, dude,
2: if you were not the person that I was there to pick up, I would have totally gone over to the first security guard and wrapped them on the forehead and <laughs> said, "I don't it? know who the fuck you think you're looking for, but that's the guy."
3: Yeah, Richard I mean, Bryant. shows you how yeah, lax. So, you know what? If you're, yeah, go Greyhound. <laughs> you were there. <laughs> you were there when we were when you dropped me off, man. Remember, there were the we, we that was the first. Greyhound station I went in that had security had two big, huge, hulking black guys, right? In their full uniforms Mm -hmm. with a table and their flashlights and, you know, know, lay your shit out on the table. And I had, you know, that, that army backpack, maybe it's because I look military so they give me some, maybe they're like maybe he's a veteran, yeah. you, maybe he's you, a little you unhinged. Do, you could
1: pass for the guy that, that came back and just had a really rough time. I and... could
3: be, I'm, I'm Gulf War age, you know, I have my hair shaved off or real short, you know, and, and all my, like, I don't just have camouflage stuff, it's real, I got, like, real military shit, so it's like... Sometimes people come up to me and want to talk about military shit that I have no idea what they're talking about, you know? And, you know, they're like, I see you've got a blah-blah-blah patch on your jacket there. And it's just, oh, really? Is that what that is? And it's, yeah, that that can get...
2: Then they want to punch No,
3: you. not usually. That, that, I usually say, uh, usually you belong to my dad. So I'm usually like, well, this was my dad's, you know, blah blah, blah. And they go, oh, okay, so, you know, well, oh, he was a paratrooper. And then, it's, you know, it's like... Oh well, I took this. Uh, I took this off a Marine's corpse once. You know, the, uh, I saw a dead na- Navy <laughs> SEAL, and I thought I'd just like strip him of his uniform and then piss on a flag, and uh, then then they beat me up. <laughs> I stopped saying that after the fifth time that I got beat up. With the the whole piss on the Navy SEAL flag thing just wasn't working out for me too well. But anyway, I got yeah, Darth Vader. Darth Vader lost command number two. So now I can now I have the first five issues are all. Are, have you have you read no, the series but yet? I'm going to just sit down and read it and all in one chunk. Got to read it in time for oh, next yeah, Star Wars def- Monthly Monday because I want to talk about will. it. It's going to be one of those things where I sit down and I just like read it and like within a like half hour forty minute you know sitting or whatever you know I'll just gobble it right up because they're not really intensively written you know they're not a lot of dialogue or anything. And, uh, but I remember last time I was saying I was thinking about selling my Walking Deads, maybe switching off the, uh, the weekly reprints for my originals. Uh, I, I did mm-hmm. <laughs> for a few of them. I sold number. I had doubles of number 17. I got like 14, fif- 15, 17 bucks for number 17, something like that. Um, wow. I had wow. a variant cover of number 50 with Rick and the, uh, Rick, Michonne, um, Tyrese, and the governor as superheroes and a supervillain. You know, uh, uh, um, Michonne actually had a couple lightsabers, but they're just cut from this. you only see like the first two inches of the lightsaber. I don't know if they're trying to like avoid copyright, but she was basically decked out like a Jedi and you know, Rick had a robot hand, and the the um. You know, the governor had a robot hand with a crusher thing on it, and it was all very cartoony. And uh, I got ninety nine dollars for that thing. Ninety nine dollars for a wow. Walking dog I mean, it's what like two years old now, two or three years old, something. It's not that old. Variant covers, now? I'm yeah. telling you. Well, this yeah. was a, at, this, at this time, Kirkman was like, "I don't do very variant, variant covers." and it was at the comic shop for 1495 and i was like okay i see why he did this variant cover cuz it's a joke you know it was like sort of anticipating the joke in number 75 and uh so i was like that's funny and since he doesn't do variant covers i'm going to pick this it was one of the first pure speculation buys i've done in a long time or ever where i was like I'm gonna get the regular fifty, but I'll I'll invest fourteen ninety five in this because I have a feeling I'll be able to at least sell this for like fifty dollars down the line because he probably is not gonna do many variant covers, and fourteen ninety five doesn't seem like a big markup, right? For you know, uh, so it worked out, and uh, I sold issue number.
2: Now, if you can just do the same thing with those copies of Ravage 2099, number one, I'd, I'd be so impressed. Ravage
3: 2099? I have no <laughs> idea what that it is. It was Stan Lee's
1: return to comic <laughs> book oh, writing. Dear. Let's just say it wasn't the pinnacle of his career. <laughs> <laughs> I,
3: I, I'm assuming not, since I've never heard of it. But it couldn't have been so horrible that I still never heard of it. But um, The art was uh, good. Didn't he have something to do with Stripperella, too? Yes, <laughs>
5: both of you at the
3: same time. Oh, wow. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but uh <laughs> um so I what I sold number 19 which n- 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 19 19 which was the first appearance of Michonne and recently was just reprinted in the weeklies. So I just went out and bought the weekly for 3.99 and switched it out and I got seventeen uh no wait, I got forty three dollars for that one. I got seventeen for number seventeen. So yeah, those walking de- think... those early walking deads are worth some money. And it just goes to show there could you know, if you write if you make if you write and draw a good comic book, it energizes everything. You know what I mean? There's there's people yep, right? interested in it and and you know, I'm going through my... I'm going, okay, well... And I'm going out and I'm buying new floppies. You know? <sighs> <laughs> Sorry, I hate that term. Yeah, I just use it What? I just use it because it seems to be the best... The most used shorthand. I didn't realize that it was offensive to your ears. I'll, I'll stop <laughs> saying floppies and trekkers. Well, the
1: the reason why I don't like Truckies. it is because... I have you, I have heard too many people who are pretentious about collected editions
3: use uh, it in a very derogative way. Oh, you and your floppies! Yeah. Oh,
1: exactly.
3: Oh, okay. See, I didn't know it was. I thought it was just sort of descriptive. Just to just. Uh, I, I
1: mean, you, you can always come back with you know your mom's got floppies, exactly. but <laughs> that just degenerates into a into an argument you don't. I don't want to be a part of. So.
3: <laughs> but anyway yeah i'm buying you know i mean i'm buying individual i'm buying multiple issues of walking deads and i'm actually it doesn't cost me money to do it you know that those it, i i just think of it this way those that number 50 the number 19 and number 17 basically means that i got a good chunk of the run for free and Sweet. at the same time still paying kirkman and adlerd so it works out really good for everybody <laughs> if you write and make a good comic book. So I guess really shouldn't that be the only lesson <laughs> in in comic books?
2: And eat your vegetables. Well, for a change, I actually get to contribute a bunch of shit to Comics Monthly Monday as far as comic Yay! book stuff. Back yeah, I know. <laughs> well, you know, I was going through a long dry spell there of being dirt fucking poor. So you know, it's, <laughs> not that I'm like rolling I in was dough saying, now. you really,
3: like sand poor, right? Yeah, exactly.
2: But. uh... Before I get into what I got in the mail, I just had a couple of uh, quick recommendations, new recommendations because I actually am buying just a couple brand spanking new comics these days. And I know I should probably save this for Comics Monthly Monday and I'll probably repeat this on Comics this Monthly is Comic- or excuse me, Star Monday. Star Wars, <laughs> I'm sorry. I meant to say Star Wars Monthly Monday. But as uh, we are finding out that not all of our listeners listen to all of our shows, which is just should be a crime, but anyway, Uh, if you're a star wars fan definitely check out star wars jedi the dark side number one this is that new uh dark horse series that's following uh qui-gon jinn takes place i think like 20 years or better before phantom menace you know way before qui-gon took on obi-wan as a as a padawan and all that and uh you know, just the first one's out so far. I read it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good, really strong first issue. And uh, I think I'm going to like this. It was uh, very enjoyable. And, of course, highest possible recommendations for the Planet of the Apes series from Boom Studios. I got issue number two. Damn, was it good. Oh, my God, was it good. I think I'm going to love this series. I'm, I'm really enjoying it so far. And I like it there's a new character that was introduced in this thing that reminds me so much of the ultra humanite just because he's a white gorilla, you know, a white ape. And uh, he he seems like they're introducing him to be like the ultra badass of the series. So I'm very curious where this is going to go. But yeah, if you're a, an apes fan, definitely check it out because it's good stuff. Beautiful, beautiful art in that. But anyway, as for what's I got in the mail, let's see. Well actually I got a, I got some cheap comics from the comic shop as far as some back issues they had a nice little uh discount bin of just nice oldies there and I got a bunch of issues a bunch of pre-crisis Superman stuff I got action 552 555 556 562 and 568 and Superman 319 396 and 401 just uh, I was just kind of itching for some Superman to read the other day and I spotted these in the cheapy bin so I snagged them and I've been slowly making my way through that stuff. It was just nice to read some, some Superman again for a while. But in the mail the other day, I got another issue of Tomb of Dracula on the extreme cheap off of eBay. Nice. I want to say this thing was a buck, shipping included. I'm pretty sure that's what I paid for. It was like a dollar, maybe a dollar and a penny or something like that. So creeping up on uh, all the issues of that series, that was that's pretty gotta cool. has got to hurt
3: when they go down to the post office to mail it and it costs them a <laughs> 75 for you know, media <laughs> mail or whatever.
2: Right. Well, this one um, wasn't in as nice a shape as the one that I reported on last time. That one I got last time was pretty damn close to pristine mint. This one, it was like a reading copy, but hey, you know, for a buck, I'm not complaining. You know, it was still a nice classic comic. It was intact and, you know, it wasn't shredded or anything. It had the cover and all that, so it was nice. It just uh, wasn't in as quite, quite as nice a shape and the guy definitely didn't take as much care you could definitely tell it was like all right i gotta fucking mail this to you for a, you know i made a lousy dollar yeah, on it. Stuff it, it, know, in this, it was that this level pepsi
3: can and then right yeah <laughs> exactly it was
2: about that level of care taken with it but hey you know it made it to me so that was cool but the big score for me this month was uh We, uh, you know, guys, definitely go to our forum. If you're not, you know, a a regular, you you know, even if you just want to lurk on our forum, our forum is awesome. Our participants on the forum are great, guys. It's such a great community of of people that you know just love comics and sci-fi and just a good bunch of people. And one of the threads that we have going on our forum um, that I feel is extremely underutilized is the swap meet thread but you know every time i've ever used it it's it's been awesome you know it's just people go in there and post up stuff that they're they've got just hanging around that they just want to get rid of and have a nice old-fashioned swap meet and so i recently went in there and uh made a really great trade with uh, michael Cormanic, one of the the members of our um, online community he sent me A couple of boxes of comics, actually. I got some great stuff. Probably the coolest thing for me personally that I got out of there, the thing that I definitely had the biggest geek moment about was a a little freebie he threw in for me that I didn't even know was coming with the comics, which was um, a mini poster for that series Tron the Betrayal. And I thought that was cool, you know, because I'd been trying to get a copy of that because I'd seen it hanging in comic shops. But, you know, it was one of those exclusive for the comic shop type of posters, you know. So I hadn't got a hold of one. Well, he sent me one in the, the first bunch of comics he sent. But just as a sampling is the kind of stuff I got. He sent me a bunch of uh, of issues of the Avengers. You know, the first series of Avengers, uh, it was like 187, 189, 190, 191 and 211. I think all of these except for 211 were like John Byrne issues of, of Avengers. So, yes, I, you know, they were. Got, that's, a, yeah. that's
1: a good series. That's a good run on that book. Yeah,
2: it's good stuff. And uh, I think I've already got all these issues, but I'm always looking, you know, for uh, to trade up to better copies and stuff for, for things like that. Plus, it never hurts to have backups on things like that. Um, got an issue of uh, another pre crisis issue of Superman that I just didn't have before. Sent me a ton of the current series of Captain America which uh, makes a nice little run of that and I was looking at some of the covers and got to realizing I actually did read that series a lot further in than I thought I did because one of the, the covers jogged a memory that didn't one of the, I don't know if it was the Red Skull or Arnim Zola or somebody brought back one of the missing Captain Americas from like the 50s yes. or something but he was mentally unstable Yes. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right.
1: So I did so you actually, don't those anymore, Scott, what's that? I was going to send you a bunch of those. You don't need them anymore.
2: Hey, send them. Cause yeah, there's, there's, you know, this is like a scattering of issues. So between the two, maybe I'll have like a, like a good solid run of these things, but it was enough to wet my whistle where I want to get back in and, uh, and catch up to you know where the story is currently and everything. Plus, when I met with uh, with Mark Wade at a uh, MegaCon, he was telling me about some series that he just wrote. Is it Man I, Out of Time or something like yes,
1: that? Ha- I bought the hardcover of that last week. I'm looking forward to reading it.
2: Ms. Marvel, the new Ms. Marvel series. I don't know if that's still running or not, but this is like almost a complete series of that. He sent me bunch of issues of uh, New Avengers, a couple issues of uh, Sensational Spider-Man, a couple issues of She-Hulk, the Thunderbolts, and a couple issues of the second um, Ultimates series that uh, I still haven't read yet. I, I read the first Ultimates and liked it a lot, and I'm still trying to track down all the issues of Ultimates, too. I still have not read the second series, but... You know, just kind of all over the place, but all told, I mean, this was like fifty, sixty books he sent me, and you know, it was just awesome because I love getting comics in the mail, and this will help catch me up on uh, sort of current events in in Marvel to a certain degree. It, it kind of goes up to the point where I bailed out of Marvel, which was just after what you call it, uh, oh, the big war there. What? Oh, fuck no! Just, Civil War. Civil War. Yes. You know, between Civil War and like Secret Invasion, because it was really after Secret Invasion that I was kind of like, man, I think I'm done with Marvel for a while. So these, these are some of the ancillary titles that some of them I had been following, and then other ones I hadn't been following but had meant to, like Ms. Marvel and stuff like that. So nice sampling of that sort of thing.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned Fifty Cent bins. I forgot to mention. I forgot to say that uh, I found the Infinity Gauntlet, the Infinity War, and the Infinity Crusade three six-issue limited series from Marvel, all in the 50-cent bin. So I spent like nine bucks on all three series and I'm really excited because the Infinity Gauntlet is amazing and I never read the two sequels. So I'm looking forward to that. And I like getting them cheap.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> cheap. I've heard mixed things about the, the sequels. I don't know if I ever read any of the sequels or not. I can't remember but I've heard mixed things about them. Well, about Steve
1: the- Raker, who, who's over at Marvel Noise... Uh, which is a great Marvel-related podcast. If you've if you've never heard it, he did like a whole Jim Starlin cosmic series of of, of uh, segments because Marvel Noise is basically kind of like an old fanzine type thing where a bunch of people contribute stuff to it, and whatever comes into the the mailbox that week for in. the host is what he puts on in. And Steve Raker is one of their bigger. Contributors, and he did a whole, like a couple episodes or a couple installments on Jim Starlin's Marvel work. And he went over all of the, he went over the Infinity War and the Infinity Crusade, and it was the first time I'd ever heard anyone say anything good about them. So I really got to give him a, a, give him a galuxi. Cool. And once again, the episode dies.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what you guys are talking about. It's like another language with yours. Invisibility <laughs> gauntlets and stuff like that.
2: <laughs> well, do we want to take a little break, or do we want to do top five and then take a little break?
3: I'm good either way. I, I, I've got my top. Oh, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I say we take a break. We've been blabbing for a, for a, for a decent amount of time. Give the listeners a chance to listen to some something that's either going to promote something or make us tons that's of money. Yeah, that's not us. That's not our <laughs> voices. Not yeah.
4: <laughs>
2: Somebody shut
3: I these know, guys maybe up. Maybe it'll be just a little kitten meowing or maybe it'll be crickets or maybe it'll be just like soothing ocean sounds. Either way.
1: Maybe it'll be comfortably numb by Pink Whatever. <laughs> it's gotta be better than this.
3: Gotta be better than this. <laughs>
2: All right, let's take a break. It's, i got a
4: piss, what I and I this
2: need a fresh on. drink. Okay, let me hit. All right. Okay. So-
0: this new album called Freedom Rock. It's got all those great songs we used to groove to back then. Just listen. I said, Whoa.
4: Good God,
0: y'all! Don't you want some? original rock hits by the original artists on four records three cassettes or two cds here's more in the white room with black
5: curtains you see i've been through the desert on a horse with no name i've seen fire and i've seen rain sunshine go away today we
0: Freedom Rock 2. Four records or three cassettes are only $19.95. Two CDs, only $24.95. Here's how to order.
1: Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton, Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Superman in the Bronze Age is a weekly podcast following the adventures of Superman from 1970 to the burn Reboot in 1986. Follow along at supermaninthebronzeage.blogspot.com. December 7th, Earth 2, 1941. A world very much like our own, yet slightly different. A
0: date which will live in infamy a world at war. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Following the Japanese sneak
1: attack on Pearl Harbor, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt brought together the largest group of mystery men ever assembled to battle the Axis powers. Tales of the Justice Society of America presents the, the All-Star Star Squadron. Squadron. Squadron.
4: The
2: Tales of the Justice Society of America every Friday at 2 com.
3: I had to heat up some food, I was fucking starving. Stuffing in peas. Yuck.
5: eating bread. big
2: <laughs> I'm in a goofy mood tonight.
3: Can you tell? It's going to be a long. Well, I don't know how long the rest of the stuff. Like, like, I don't know. I thought that was a hilarious bit of podcasting there. I think, fucking yeah. I'm I'm loving these these Comic Monthly Mondays. I love Comic Monthly. Yeah.
2: Every time I'm tempted to maybe. You know, put a little bit more focus in the show, or add a set. And I'm like, you know what? It's, it's, it's working fun. just fine yeah. the way it is. So I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to fuck with it.
3: Well, we hit enough about comic books anyway that you know, it's it just turns into to good, but it's fucking awesome nerd talk. So
2: have you seen the numbers on Comics Monthly Monday? It's been of on the reel.
3: It should be. It should. I mean, sorry. Basically, basically, like Comics Monthly Monday should be—it's like back to the bins in JSA. It's got it's got mm-hmm. our audience plus your your audience, Michael. Like it's got like a percentage of yours and a, that that percentage crossover. So it probably it, it it gets bigger numbers. You know, there's some.
5: What it, does? It's,
3: um, Comics month. Do any me? any. Anything that's like a co... Anything that has has Michael Bailey on it gets a certain <laughs> percentage more listeners because you have, like, your, your, your fans. And that just says to me there's some people who are like, Michael Bailey's awesome, but I can't stand his <laughs> your phrase. Well. I doubt it. But he's so awesome that I'll actually listen to the show <laughs> just to hear him on it. I doubt that's what's going <laughs> you on. You should okay. jettison those two <laughs> other assholes. They're holding you back. Exactly. That monthly Monday show—it's—it's <laughs> it's really good, except for all that dead weight you're dragging around. <laughs> mm. I
1: doubt it's like that. <laughs> I wish
3: what I could. A- I wish there was some way to find out really what it was like. You know, I wish I could be a fly on the wall. This of like, I wish I could push a button and see oh, randomly the who, the was, who was who is listening. You know, like Big Brother or something, and just see cuz i mean the people that we talk to are only that percentage of the people who you know who write letters and write in most right. people are most the i mean the majority of our listeners are lurkers and right. i'd love to know what the deal is with most of them i assume they're pretty much like our our other listeners too but just not as vivacious maybe or talkative or whatever but It'd be really interesting did, to find out, did
1: you guys watch the George Lucas Strikes Back trailer? Yes, I did.
3: I liked no, the, I the, it the, I liked it. It wasn't as good as like the George Lucas in love. you know I love that one.
1: I haven't seen that one yet,
3: but the idea, the idea for the George Lucas one was the Strikes back is really good that it wasn't really George Lucas making the prequels. The scene with him like going they did what. <laughs> but I think it went on a little too long Mm mm mm. peas and stuffing <laughs> with raisins because I like raisins too mm. and just a hint of curry powder you big Indian food eater there Scott
2: Indian food? yeah you mean like
3: maize? no <laughs> like India
0: like maize
3: <laughs> yeah yeah what, Scott you, you like crack corn? open the
1: 64 pack of Crayola crayons
3: <laughs> yeah corn Scott do you like corn <laughs> Jesus Christ why the hell is George Lucas
2: in love not on YouTube how the fuck is that possible the people who made it probably
3: got it wiped off I've actually got a blockbuster video of that, you know, like a 10 minute videotape VHS of it that I picked up at a garage sale for probably like five cents or something like that. Talk about your waste of raw materials. It's not on YouTube. What the fuck is up with that?
2: Oh well.
4: <sighs>
2: I have it on DVD somewhere. I'll send it to you, Mike.
1: Okay. It could be better. Mike. Mike. Ah, I just had something in my eye. Okay, I'm good. Did you uh, see who's doing the score for Green Lantern?
2: James Newton Howard. Yep, I, I like much. him, but it depends on what style he's doing it in. I mean, if he's
1: if you go to the website, uh-huh. uh huh, the official Green Lantern website, you can hear samples. Oh, cool! And it's not that bad. It's 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 very much in his style, but I'm actually kind. Of, I was kind of hoping for more of a heroic score, right? Mainly because that's what I think it should be. It's like the first flight score. I was listening to it, and outside of the, I think there's a little too much electronica in a, in the main theme, but the the actual theme, the actual hero theme, is actually kind of cool. So, yeah, I I, 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 I like listen to it. I
2: can't. I mean, I saw the movie, but I can't remember what the music was like, and I haven't listened to the score.
1: It's it's a pretty good um, it's a good score. I was watching the movie the other night uh, because I'm kind of in on a Green Lantern kick right now. So
2: some awesome toys coming out for that movie.
1: I like the larger the movie masters figures. Mm -hmm. The the DC Universe size figures more than the three and three quarters. Um, Though you can get like the entire freaking Green Lantern core at three to three quarters, so that's kind of cool. But uh, somebody on on another show called Two-in-One Showcase pointed this out, and and I have to completely agree with them. The great thing about action figures right now is that the DC figures, the Marvel figures, and the Star Wars figures are all the same size. Yeah. So you can play with them all, unlike when I was a kid when the He-Mans and the Star Wars and the Superpowers and the G.I. Joes were all different sizes. And it made it kind of difficult to, for me, because it just... they looked
5: awkward. So. <laughs> yeah. Yes.
1: Though uh, the Green Arrow Superpowers figure could fit on the G.I. Joe motorcycle rather nicely. Uh, <laughs> so that became his vehicle for a little while when I finally got Green Arrow. God, I had almost a complete set of Superpowers figures at one point.
2: Did you see that $200 um, Superman figure that's coming out based on the Chris Reeve Superman?
1: Yes, I did. It's awesome. I, I can't, can't better be that. for $200. Yeah,
2: me either. Yeah, I could never. I, could, I don't know how in the hell I would ever justify that to the wife, but man, that thing is fucking you awesome. You know
3: how you justify it? If you had a time machine and you're like, in 10 years, honey, this will be worth 50 grand. <laughs> so we'll say the, uh, I'd sp- want to play college. with it
2: though is the thing. If I got that, you goddamn straight, I'm taking that thing out of the package and play with it like I was five years old. Man, I swear to God, I would because it was just. Awesome. Da, da, da,
3: da, yeah. Da, 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 da. Hell great. yeah! I'm just saying how you could justify it. <laughs> I, I just remember. I remember the time when you got those. When you sold those. Um, you got and sold those Roy Rogers and Dale Evans comics. And your parents finally started giving you some slack about comic books. Yep, they just used to ride your ass about comic books and, and stuff until that one time when it was like, "Oh, okay,
4: <laughs>
2: maybe this isn't a complete waste mm-hmm. of his time after all." Mm-hmm.
3: Well, they were probably thinking, "God damn it, he doesn't even fucking wash his ass, but he takes care of those comics like they were fucking gold." <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, years later, it all makes sense. Can't get him to take a goddamn shower.
2: <laughs> that was Randy, dude. Not me. I
3: <laughs> was always very fastidious. Randy had the fucking pasted-down hair. <laughs> Greasy kid stuff.
2: Oh, he was the same guy that would be like... Dude, when was the last time you washed your hair? Ah, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to school anyway. And then yes. five minutes later, it's like, sure wish I could get a girlfriend.
3: Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, maybe there's a correlation here. I'm just saying. I don't think. I think Randy was too shy to talk to girls. I never saw him like. I think girls too were too scared, too scared to talk to him. That too. I mean, like scared, like yeah, for their lives. Like yeah, like like panel van scared yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, people say I have rage <laughs> yeah oh yeah no yeah no Randy was pent up Right. Ra- yeah. it wasn't really super apparent until like when we got old enough to drink and Randy would get drunk and that's like that was always trouble I remember yep. that going oh shit Randy yep. hates everybody when he's drunk
2: <laughs> that was just pouring the sorry and Brandy into the, into the evil Kirk yeah, that's sure all that was,
1: was. sorry and I thought that was illegal Sorry and brandy.
3: <laughs> it's a joke. It might have been after the. <laughs> anyway, here you go, Chris. Here's some quality reading material for you. This better be porn. Oh, I think I used to have this. Is this more touchy-feely stuff?
2: Yeah, this is the one we were talking about before. Oh, okay. Spider-Man gets his privates touched upon. Nice.
1: Don't sound so happy about that. <laughs> you okay, Scott? You got quiet all of a sudden.
2: I'm uh, reading about people just trying to touch
1: Spider-Man's. Friend. Okay, it's
2: actually a pretty good story, to be honest with
3: you. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. yeah well, okay, put down the vaseline and bring this episode <laughs> back in, man. <laughs> exactly. Doing the
1: happy Harry Hardon thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the art's fucking terrible. And who is this artist? It is... I'm pretty sure that's a John Byrne, at least on the Spidey and uh, and the little kid part of the cover there. I'm pretty sure that's John Byrne. But let's see. In, oh, Jim Mooney. Jim Mooney and I, Mike Esposito, they're usually fairly decent. This must have been a rush job. <laughs> it just cracks me up. The guy that was trying to touch on Peter Parker looks like – what's his name? Quicksilver.
1: He looks like Uncle Ben. (laughs) That's my entire – Yeah, you know,
2: yeah. Now that you say yeah. Because the next next panel after uh, Peter says, please skip, don't. I've got to go now. He goes home to Aunt May and Uncle Ben. (laughs) And Uncle Ben does look exactly like the guy that was trying to touch on him. That's
1: funny. I uh – I especially like, and this proves what a a double standard it is, that basically the entire crux of the Spider-Man story is that uh, this kid he goes to help was being molested by his older female babysitter. And uh, for me, that wouldn't have been molestation. That would have been fucking
3: lucky. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And it also doesn't seem to be like what most of the mola... You know, that's not what mo, most molestation, unfortunately, is not the older teenage girl Yeah, touching your pee-pee.
1: See, what I want is, especially given the JMS presentation of Uncle Ben... Um is when he tells Uncle Ben, Ben puts down the paper, goes over and just beats the hell out of this guy for about six hours.
4: Because
1: <laughs> there was an issue in the JMS run where Peter had this friend who was a lot like him, just just kind of going down the wrong path. And this kid cut like a bunch of the jocks tires and they go to and he's hiding out in Peter's house. And the jocks come over to confront him, and Uncle Ben, you know, like, comes out. He goes, look, you know, I don't care what happened. You're not touching this boy on my property. He's like, you know, and I, you know, I'm in the military, so I know how to take care of myself. And and the older kid goes, I'll take a chance on it. And Ben takes him all out. (laughs)
4: Because
1: I like the concept that Ben was an ass kicker. But, yeah, seriously, like, Ben calmly puts the newspaper down and says, I'm going out for some milk. <laughs> he walks down the street, calmly knocks on the door. The guy, the guy opens it, and without a, and right in the middle of him going "hello," there's a punch to the fence.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> ben comes in, shuts the door, takes his jacket off, rolls up his sleeves, <laughs> he just beats the piss out of the guy.
2: I think rather than this being Spider Man and Power Pack that were covering child molestation, I think it should have been Spider Man and the Punisher.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> seriously, I don't know how I would have reacted if my kind of cute babysitter was like, well, let's take off our clothes and play like grown ups, but I think I would have been all about it.
3: Hell yeah! Let's do that. Yeah, I would have been totally naked, man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play totally naked man. And
1: so, I mean, that's horrible to say. I know, and I feel bad because it's a complete double standard. Because I saw a funny comic strip uh, this yesterday that that showed how it, one thing can work for a little boy and not for a little girl. Is it? It's like <laughs> it showed like a woman on a bus with pictures of her. Her, like son, it's like and look at my son, oh he's just a baby sitting there naked. Look at his little wee wee and then it showed like the same setup but with two guys looking at the baby girl going, Look at my little girl's f-. the
4: other uh-huh. dude
1: going, Whoa! Isn't, it,
3: isn't it cute?
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> it just doesn't work, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had some cute babysitters too. Mm-hmm, me too. Yeah. I had Heidi Tyner. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She was a few years older That's than us, cool. but uh but I remember all the older boys used to sing Nothing could be finer than jumping Heidi Tyner in the morning <laughs> And apparently quite a few did Were what? you
1: one of them, Chris?
3: No, I was too young, she was my babysitter But she used to break into my dad's Playboy stash Or penthouse stash And, and would sit around reading the penthouses <laughs> And go out on the deck and smoke funny cigarettes which we just thought were funny cigarettes, but I've since herself. put two and two together.
1: And herself.
3: <laughs> Not that I saw. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really looking. Too. I never went. I, w- I wouldn't have known what to be looking for in those days, but <laughs> but I was paying attention. <laughs> Let's play u bort commander.
2: A mm-hmm. periscope. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
1: Oh, though, though I will say this. Um, I uh, I was watching the beginning of Pee-Wee's Big Adventure the other day. That's a creepy damn movie. And when I say creepy, I'm not just talking in like the Tim Burton makes creepy movies type of way. If I lived next door to the man-child, I would never let my kids play Near the house.
3: Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Pee-wee Herman, the real Pee-wee Herman in reality is yeah. In reality, is a very frightening. (laughs) Even more frightening is his other adult man-child friends and enemies. You know, he's got his. I mean, how old is his worst enemy guy? That what's the guy's name with the?
0: Francis. Who wants bike?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steals his bike. That guy's like in his thirties too. You know.
1: Yeah, so it's it's just like wow, that's really. But his uh, the 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 girl that played his girlfriend, I think, ended up being on. Uh... God, what was her name? She was
3: hot. Pee Wee Herman longest screen kiss.
1: Elizabeth Daly is her name. She uh she was in Better Off Dead. She actually sang the song Better Off Dead in that movie.
3: I've never. Now... I've still never seen that movie. Isn't that sad? I'm yes. I'm, And it's got Booger in it. One of my favorite actors of all time. I was going to say, Scott, you should bring it in. I brought it in last time. I can bring us back in if you like. Yes. Hello,
2: and welcome back to Comics Monthly Monday 31. And at this point, we are going to do top five. And we're still calling it that, despite my not wanting to call it that, because we don't have any other goddamn thing to call it. So... Chris, um, I'm thinking you should start this off because you threw me a major curveball with this <laughs> one, my friend. Because I couldn't come up with shit for this one, so you
3: go ahead. Okay. So uh, just to just to um, just to reiterate what we were doing uh, this this week the to- or month the top five was going to be take two superheroes and genetically combine them into one superior or at least hilarious superhero or whatever <laughs> so I'm not good uh, for uh, except for the last one I'm just gonna give the name of the of the combination and see if you can figure out who uh, it's pretty apparent who usually uh, now this this next one or the first uh, I'll start at number five and that that one, I'll tell you who I'm putting together. I'm putting together the Marvel character, two Marvel characters, uh, the Night Nurse and Ben Grimm. Oh God! And, um, oh no! It'll be a character with, uh, uh, coincidentally, the same name as my penis, which is the Night Thing. <laughs> <laughs> and number four. <laughs> number four is one i ripped off i ripped off this name from scott i got the first one from scott because it just cracked me up that he brought up angar the screamer (laughs) on the forum at one point so i'm gonna i i'm am i am going to have angar the punisher (laughs) i think that would be a good combination number three is simply galak hulk which is basically a Galactus, uh, Galactus and the Hulk, which would okay. just be a big fucking honk and Hulk. Wait and a minute! This-
2: I thought you said that we
4: had
2: to. It had to be male and female, and there was no there was no splicing.
3: I thought that was just we could splice whoever we it was. Aw, oh, you changed together. your own damn rules. That's all right.
5: That's uh, all right. <laughs>
3: yeah, I'm all over. I think I only got uh, two actual male and female splices. The second would just be the ultimate like cool like cool like and like I'm James Dean smoking cool. It would be a ghost surfer. That would that, that would be the one all the metalheads could like. And number 1 would be my dream date, Plastic Woman. <laughs> which would of course be a combination of Plastic Man and Wonder Woman and scott would be the most jealous man in the world if i made plastic woman my mate (laughs) (laughs) i'd be be writing the plastic man song (laughs) so so you must have come up with you sound like you're pretty enthused about uh your uh your five uh little group of five (laughs) uh experiments there well
2: I mean, I I wanted to to be absolutely hysterical and hilarious and then have all kinds of wacky combinations just for comedy. And I don't know. The brain just wasn't firing or something. I couldn't come up with shit. So I actually have
3: a – Wait, your brain wasn't firing? (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: So I I pretty much have a straightforward, straight straight up, just fanboy style – uh answer to to the question i came up with uh my five are these are kind of either characters i would have liked to have seen get together and and have super offspring of some sort or um in a couple of cases super offspring that we kind of sort of got but never really panned out type of thing anyway you'll see what i'm talking about here in a minute Number five, I always wanted to see Iron Monroe and the Golden Age Fury get together because I always had a feeling that the Modern Age Fury was supposed to be their daughter, but I'm not sure where that ever... Yeah, how did that pan out, Mike? Do you remember?
1: No, it wasn't his daughter. I forget who it ended up being, but they sent it to Miss America to raise. So Miss America became like the Wonder Woman of the.
2: Yeah, that's right, of, yeah.
1: Of the new of the new reality, so.
2: I can't remember who her father was supposed to be. Uh, maybe it was just a regular dude, I can't remember. Um, number four, my original answer was uh, for this one was, uh, I, I always wanted to see Wonder Girl and Terry Long, her husband Terry Long have a baby, and then I got to thinking they did have a baby.
3: Yeah, and I, John Byrne
1: killed him.
2: John Byrne killed him, that's right, yeah, because the baby, I don't re- really remember much about where that all took place or whatever, but I know at one point in in Titans, the baby came back from the future, and he was like... What the hell was his name like? Was that his name? Lord Chaos or something like that? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So I kind of remember that storyline, and then that's what got me to thinking, wait a minute, yeah, they did have a baby. So, you know, the the other... the other love interest to hers that I always really liked her together with and I think would have would have been very interesting was I always liked it when she and Kyle Rayner were were an item. I always thought they yes. made a nice couple and everything. That would have been interesting to have those two actually settle down and have some kids and see if we, you know maybe they'd have like the Wonder Twins or some damn thing, you know. I think but that's I always why thought
1: that'd be interesting. I think that's why a lot of comic fans hated Kyle because he's the new guy on the block. He gets the Green Lantern ring. Just completely by chance, he starts nailing Wonder Girl, and when that goes south, he starts nailing Jade. So <laughs> I actually
2: kind of endured him to me. Actually, with when he got Wonder Girl, I was like, "Way to go, dude!" No, <laughs>
0: I liked over. it. Too.
1: I liked it too. But if you think of like you know when the good-looking guy moves into the school and starts immediately going out with like the girl you've had a crush on forever,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah that's i can see that
1: douchebag look at his hair and he's an artist i hate you (laughs) but i love so
2: i i did too see i guess it would have been different if it had been like a flash thompson type then i would have been just just, you know it would have pissed me off but uh, kyle was just so much us you know what i mean i think he was just you know he was the the fanboy in the comics you know so i don't know I, i could associate with him better um Number three, I would have liked to have seen the the whole Spider Baby thing play out better. I mean, I know there was the Spider Girl title, but that was you know that was Marvel Two or M Two or whatever the hell they called it, which was sort of the same thing, but not really the same thing. Yeah, that was an MC Two. I was trying to, I knew that didn't quite sound right. So I would have liked to have seen where the whole Spider Baby thing might have gone. Um, And along that same line. I'm still bitter about this 20-some years later, but The Hulk, baby. Would have loved to have seen where that could have gone and how that could have played out if they hadn't. Did you just... never
1: read What Savage Beast? No. The novel?
2: No, I still haven't read it. I've got it. I just haven't read it. Why, Dragon is that downward. played out in that?
1: A little bit, yep.
2: Oh, shit. I'll have to... Uh, now you, now you got really good. And number one, I I know you and I have talked about this before. I just can't remember if we ever talked about it on the air. But I would love to see the Huntress, one of my favorite characters, you know, tied back into Batman a little more closely, you know, rather than just being sort of like loosely associated. I'd, I'd like to see her actually be the daughter of Batman again. And I think that they, you know, DC missed a prime opportunity when not long ago they had Bruce Wayne bouncing around through time or whatever the hell Grant Morrison was doing with him that Bruce Wayne could have actually fathered a child, you know, at some point in the past that could grow up to be, you know, the Huntress that's in the comics today. So I would have liked to have seen that, you know, somebody jump on that idea and run with that. But that's what I got. Not the most hilarious or exciting, but that's what I came up with.
1: All righty. Mine are kind of lame because I had a rough time with this as well. But, um, I started thinking of like the the worst sexual pairings I could uh, I could think of. So when you take Pig Iron from Captain Carrot and the Amazing Zoo
5: Crew, Jesus,
1: and have him have sex with She-Hulk, you get the She-Pig. Deadpool. Not to mention
2: that there's a little bit of bestiality going on
1: there. You know, I just. So uh, Deadpool gets all hot for Squirrel Girl at one point and becomes Dead Squirrel (laughs) Bat Bertha who is the unfortunate (laughs) progeny of Big Bertha from the uh, Great Lakes Avengers and Batman (laughs) and a little bit of slash fiction uh, similar to something that Chris thought up uh, Silver Surfer and Ben Grimm have a child called the Silver Thing. <laughs> and uh, that's that's a name... the pet name for a dildo
3: right there. Yes, Steely and, Dan.
1: And a name that could uh, double as a also the name of a gay bar. Blue Devil and the Silver Swan go at it, and they have the Blue Swan, Ooh. <laughs> which totally sounds like a gay bar. I'm sorry.
3: Not as not, gay as the white swallow. Yeah, yeah not as on
1: point as the white swallow. But yeah, that's where I, just, I
3: thought you were heading with it. I'm like, this birds. Okay, what?
1: But uh, but I liked sheep pig because you know Captain Carrot needs her big pig iron from Captain Carrot needs love too. Yeah. And he, but he was nailing Yankee poodle. So
3: Yankee poodle. Did- <laughs> <laughs>
1: alley-cat-dabra Yankee Poodle. Oh. Um, who was the turtle? Fastback.
3: Fastback. I was more into the whole Peter Porker, the Amazing Spider Hand, with the pun- spectacular <laughs> Spider Punfisher. Yeah.
1: Uh, the
2: pun- oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was
3: bad. Well,
1: that's what I got.
2: <laughs> All right. So, what do we got for next time? We had
3: a suggestion on the forum, but did we have anything... You guys got anything? I don't have nothing. I got it last time, so it's up to one of you twos. <laughs> Mike, hmm. I don't think you've thrown one out yet, have you?
1: Yeah, I did. Uh, we did the Marvel Limited Series one.
3: Oh, shit, that's right.
1: So it's your turn, Scott.
3: Yeah, come on, man.
1: <laughs> Pull your weight, Gardner.
3: Yeah. Come oh. on, spit it out. Well, what I like we the doing? one that was,
2: that was thrown up on the, uh, the forum... It was was something about creator Shit. Now I'm gonna to have to look it up real quick.
3: Oh, the best creators with a character. Which characters and creators? Yeah, I guess we'd have to pick a, work out best. Yeah, I guess we'd have to pick a pick a character, right? Yeah, it would be which characters. Yeah, which creators made were the best. I don't know if it, I. I'm not sure if it was theoretically or something that happened in reality. Or if it would be something that would be like, I think this person would have been perfect for this.
2: No, no, it was it was a reality thing. But let me see here. <sighs> what The fuck thread was it in? Was it in Comics Monthly Monday? Yeah, well, I have no idea. This episode, possible top five for the show. Your top five favorite artists on your favorite comic book character, and he gave an example of his top five on Super, uh, Spider-Man, for example. Or you could do it with writers," he said. "Again, I'll be an example, and he gave his top five writers for um, for Spider-Man. So, would it be top five I, I
1: artists
3: think, on one character, or?
1: Yeah, I think it's one character, the top five artists and writers. I'll do both. Yeah, and I know exactly the hero I'm choosing too. So,
2: so this is on your favorite comic book characters. So yeah, I, I, yeah, that works, I guess. Can do that. Top five my, artists and writers on your on your favorite comic book character.
1: See, the thing is, is that I talk about Superman all the time, right? Um, so I was actually going to pick, uh, even though it's next month, and, and I know who I'm picking. It's it's one of my favorite characters, and it's a certain iteration of that character. So, cool. That's my tease.
5: Cool.
3: Wow. So you're already on your. Your answer so far. Yep. Awesome. I have it written down. And it is we official. actually we have
2: another suggestion here too. It was um, it says you guys, you three guys, pick a comic book artist or story or book or movie or TV show that is neglected or hated, uh, underappreciated. It says neglected, hated, or underappreciated, and defend it. For example, uh, he says I would. Uh, pick the almost universally hated Clone Saga, which I love and defend. So that's a good idea, too, actually.
1: That's actually just a good idea for a topic.
3: Yeah. Because yeah. that could cover more than just comics, anyway. That's true. I like that. We, uh, way, 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 way,
2: way back in the day, Chris and I did a couple of, uh, neglected... We did a couple of episodes. We did an episode on neglected movies, and we did an episode on neglected TV shows, so possibly this person has not heard those episodes.
3: And we could possibly do more in the future, too.
2: We need to, yeah. Yeah. We definitely need to. In the meantime, I think it's time for my favorite section of the show. Uh. Get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic. Comic. So this time around we are going to take a look at the uh, four... Part mini-series from 1987 by Roy Thomas and Tom Mandrake called Shazam! The New Beginning.
3: (coughs) So professional the show. Today my report is on Shazam! The New Beginning. Even though it's not so new because it is over 30 years old. (laughs) Billy Batson is hanging out with his freaky Uncle Dudley when they hear about his parents' fatal car wreck. When his even creepier uncle, Savannah, shows up claiming custody rights, Billy is tricked into going with him so his Uncle Dudley doesn't have to quit magic and because he would get a hot quote-unquote sister named Beautia. Did I mention her brother's name is Magnificus? If he had a kid who was a bum, would his name be Dumb Shitticus? If Beautia had a tragic <laughs> case of acne, would she be called Uglycella? I do not know. Billy finds out he's made a big mistake because Savannah turns out to be a prick. He just wants Billy's inheritance to build his evil machines. Billy runs back to Uncle Dudley, but he is doing magic in Albuquerque. Billy is now homeless. He is lured into the subway by a creepy robed figure. Surprisingly, it is not an episode of To Catch a Predator, but Billy is taken to the familiar cave of the wizard Shazam and we are gypped out of a magic subway car ride. This time, the wizard is a grumpy old man who bitches about lousy DC continuity. Well, you know the rest with Shazam, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, Mercury, Dopey, Mr. Furley, and Bullwinkle, and all the other ones, and the magic word. Before he is squashed (laughs) by a rock, (laughs) don't laugh, I'm trying to concentrate. Sorry. Before he is squashed by a rock, the wizard tells Billy he will fight Black Adam. Black Adam is evil because his suit is black and his ears are pointy shazam messed up and gave adam shazam powers in ancient egypt then he goes all palpatine and shazam has to put him in another dimension and hey just by coincidence it is savannah who sets him free and he is zod style pissed he steals a plane load of stereotype diplomats who just gotten reconstituted from that batman movie long story short it's like a hulk tv show episode Shazam fights Adam and loses and then comes back to pound the shit out of him and blames Savannah for everything. He tricks Black Adam back into the limbo dimension, but then, instead of hitchhiking off into the distance, he gets a job at a TV station as a hard-hitting reporter who interviews adults. The end. Your synopses for
2: these segments so totally remind me of when you would get called on to read something in, in high school.
3: I just, I love it. I, love I it. liked that story. <laughs> I like this story too. <laughs> but, you know, I've got a I've got a segment to write, Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> so shut the fuck up. <laughs> so don't harsh my mellow man, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I will put
1: your testicles in a drawer Damn. and sh-
3: The podcast world ain't no fucking Texas two-step, all right, Bailey? It's a fucking slam dance. A slam dance.
2: Damn, I don't hear you shut people down very often, but that was fucking epic right there. (laughs) (laughs) Woo!
1: almost it's, it's almost as cool as me shutting down Zach uh, joiner on the, <laughs> the latest spider-man crawl space episode oh I
3: hadn't heard that I need to hear that is that up shut down yeah. on his own podcast
1: <laughs> it's actually the first part of the may episodes but yeah it, the, it was kind of funny
3: there's only two things <laughs> that really I, I I didn't that I that I wasn't really too keen on in this comic really and that was that was I thought I found it patente- patently d- ridiculous that he would be made a reporter for a TV station, but then when he's like interviewing the guy on TV, he's like, "Well, so blah blah," you know. He's like, "Well, as a counterpoint, Mister blah blah blah," and it's like, I don't know, you know. Billy Batson should be more like the roller skating rink is open today. The roller skating rink's open for summer, you know. That should be like the news well, stories he's doing.
1: To be fair. That was not Roy Thomas doing. That was he was bringing the story to a close
3: to match up with something else.
1: Legends number one, which came out like almost a year before this.
3: Uh, So uh,
1: it was basically Len Wein did the plotting and Ostrander did the scripting uh, for Legends, and that's how they brought Billy Batson into it. That instead of being a kid reporter on you know like for a, a radio. Uh, station. he would be for a television station. Um, other than that, I love this story, like, a lot. I love a the lot of that has... Oh, Tom Mandrake's art in this is badass. Just moody as hell, which you really wouldn't think for Captain Marvel, but Captain Marvel's really bright and sunny. Right. Against, like, this horribly depressing background.
3: Right. But I've always, I don't know, I've always, I've always seen the cap, that story is very, you see, the thing is, I always am into, I'm always into the whole part where he finds the old guy with the, with the rock over his head, you know, I love that, but this one did jip me out of my, I love the magic subway train, I love the subway train. You impressed
2: the shit out of me with mentioning that, because I caught that in this too, And I figured, oh, you know, who
3: remembers that?
2: You know, because that—that's my favorite
3: part of it. For some reason, that really captured my imagination as a kid. As he got on a subway train, and he was the only person on it, and it took him to like some weird. Right. I love that. I love that. My hat's off to idea. you for
2: remembering that, because I didn't... I did. I was not aware that you were that familiar with the classic origin well, was, of Captain Marvel.
3: It was because whenever we used to go visit this friend of my parents, they had, like, to keep me amused, they had... Um, they would be like, "Oh, here's a book for you to read," and they had a big hardbound co- copy of Secret Origins of Superheroes. I
2: fucking love and that. It book. had
3: all the old, you know, origin stories in it. Right. I remember reading the Shazam one, and I was always like interested in the Shazam because at that time, the the TV show was on, so that so it was familiar to me. It was like, "Oh, I know who Shazam is," and then I would see that. So that I always love origin stories of shazam and they always have a a subway ride you know and uh have
1: either of you seen that superman shazam the return of black adam short? yeah we
3: we just we just did a podcast with the guys from the definitive definitive geek about with that we we were doing superman batman public enemies but we we did watch that to go along with it
1: I I saw that. Anyways, um, and it
3: had, and that had the magic subway. Yeah, yeah, that one had. And
1: you, you guys talked about Superman, Batman, Public Enemies with those guys. Yeah.
3: Oh, that's so. right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just
1: giving you guys a shit. I mean, okay. I would have loved to have been a part of it. My schedule just didn't match up because I was invited. So,
2: <laughs> I was just gonna say, did we? Did we forget to invite him again? No, no we, we did
3: it after a podcast. We did. We, I think we did it after a comics monthly Mo- last comics monthly Monday, probably. Yeah. No,
1: there there was at one point because they were trying to get they were trying to coordinate all of us on Facebook. If I remember, if this is the right. same podcast I'm remembering, and I just couldn't make it that night. So, uh, no, but I loved that short.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that had the subway ride in it, and that that had
1: the subway ride, but it also had a really badass fight
3: yeah, between yes. Black
1: Adam and and those two characters. Well, it let me ask super- you. Yeah?
2: I, I'm presuming you haven't you haven't heard the episode yet that we did on no. it. Um, how how did you feel about the inclusion of Superman in that?
1: It was very similar, kind of, to Shazam! Superman First Thunder, which was a four-issue miniseries mm-hmm. that Judd Winnick wrote, like, in 2005. How is that, by the
2: way? I have that. I still haven't read it yet.
1: I is remember it a- enjoying it. I remember enjoying it, because it, it. But it did have Clark Kent coming and interviewing a very young Billy Batson. I don't know if he was Shazam, I mean, Captain Marvel by that point. But what I liked about it... Is one, it kind of played into that old uh, trope that about your third issue, if you were a DC hero that they were trying to pump some uh, marketing into, Superman would swing by your title to say hi. Right. So I like the fact that Superman was brought into it organically. Like, he was Clark Kent there to interview this kid for a very specific reason, and that's just when Black Adam happened to show up. And it it made a, for a great fight because Superman is vulnerable to magic, but he gave as good as he got for most of that battle.
4: Right. And
1: too often, animators will have superman get his ass handed to him because they're working under the assumption well superman's powerful so if he doesn't get beat uh you know people won't buy into this and they do that to the point where it makes him look like kind of a wimp it's kind of like right. Wolverine from the first X-Men film where he gets smacked around constantly so you had that so when captain marvel shows up you know ultimately it's captain marvel that takes down black adam But Superman's there just because he happened to be in the area. Uh, And voiced by George Newbern again, which made me very happy because I really liked him on Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. I thought he did a very good... And Jerry O'Connell back as as Captain Marvel was cool as well. (laughs) uh, Because that worked for me. And the bad guy from The Mummy is Black Adam.
2: Yeah. I, uh... (laughs) I reread this today in preparation for this episode, and I'm pretty sure this was the first time I read it since it was brand new in 87, which, by the way, Chris, your math skills are atrocious, dude. That was 24 years ago, not over 30 years ago. <laughs> but anyway, You're right. You're right. <laughs>
1: it, it was always better at English and history than math and science.
2: <laughs> I think he was good at detention. That's the only class I remember him being good at. Um and I, I have to be perfectly honest. I loved it when it was brand new. I found it to be a bit of a slog in the first two issues of this, rereading it. But then, Shut thank- your mouth. Uh, thankfully, it picked up nicely in in the third and fourth issues. But the first two were starting by when I finished the second issue. I was really nervous. I was like, please tell me I'm not going to like not like this now rereading it. It's just I don't know there was something about the first two that just it wasn't quite clicking with me but then it got to the third and I liked where uh, where Billy went back you know and and realized that the the wizard was still there he was just kind of cloaked from him and he went and busted in and conversed with the wizard's ghost and you know got the whole story on Black Adam and then his his resolve was kind of formed at that point that he was going to go and solve this case. You know, he was going to go find Adam and kick his ass, and you know, and confront Savannah about the death of his parents and all that. That you know, that's where it kind of started to rope me in. But up to that point, I was kind of sketchy. I was like, uh, I don't know. I'm just not digging this somehow. But uh, it's you know, it's funny you mentioned the Tom Mandrake because. That was one of the things that actually, you know, beyond it just being a a Captain Marvel book, which I'm always a sucker for. But I was a a fan of Tom Mandrake when he was doing Batman prior to this. So I remember when this book came out, it was just like, wow, you know, Captain Marvel and Tom Mandrake, you know, and I got it. And I really like the art because it's it's weird and it's kind of wispy and and that sort of thing. I love how he draws Captain Marvel in it because Captain Marvel is usually the most – heroic and colorful and um defined character in the book whereas a lot of times the other characters look kind of almost sketchy or like they're in motion or something it's it's kind of an odd art style and he's kind of an odd artist choice for the book but uh i like it i like that something daring and different was was being tried with the character which is The way his
3: art works when they clash, when they're fighting at the end, is really good because they look like they're wailing on each other at super speed, you know? They they really look like big, massive, you know, superheroes slamming into each other at super speed. I liked it.
2: I remember we had a discussion quite a while back, and I'm trying to remember if you were in on this, Mike. I'm pretty sure you were, where we were talking about... You know, Captain Marvel and I remember Aquaman another, was another one that came up in the conversation about how I wished that they'd stop bringing these guys back and, and trying to do new books with them, yet keeping the same old tired formula every time and then scratching their head when the book doesn't last. And it was really cool, you know, on the inside front cover of the first issue, there's a nice introduction to this miniseries by Roy Thomas, and he addresses that exact point that this, you know, he's basically telling you, this isn't going to be your dad's or your grandpa's Shazam title. This is going to be something different, you know? He, he's he's rebooting the character, and he's going to keep some of the old stuff, but he's really going to try new and daring things, and I really liked that. I really respected that, that he realized that, you know, I, I think he says flat out, you know, the the stuff from the 40s and the 50s just doesn't work with today's market and today's you know the the sensibilities of today's readers, and I've got to try a different angle with this, and and hopefully I'll still, you know, appeal to you and and appeal to or you know and, and uh, respect the character. And I liked that. I, I felt I felt vindicated after the rant I'd gone on about the very same thing. You know, in some past episode when we'd been discussing this.
1: See, I like it for the very same reason you do. But I'm gonna be completely honest, I love the first two issues of this series. I love that Thomas takes his time to set this character up and to show like, you know, the moment he finds out his parents are killed, to the introduction of Savannah who's oily and slimy, to mm-hmm. the kids the kid kinda of punching him in the face on the schoolyard and him talking about his dad always said stand up to a bully while well, his dad's not here now and how that is all you know everything with with his uncle twice removed is, is is the reason he ran out into the night and found the subway station and i love the fact also that he <laughs> that he he's like i felt like i blew up like a balloon and uh, immediately starts talking about and it kind of dates it, but that you know he's got muscles like I think he says like Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger, or yeah, yeah. Um, but then that leads into the second issue where he he goes back and is looking for his uh, his uncle, and those two drunks are making fun of Dudley in the theater, and he just comes up behind them and silently puts the strong arm on both of them because <laughs> they're making fun of his uncle. And that leads to a really cool scene, too, of of him like making a magic act for his uncle that he turns right. the Captain Marvel guy into Billy. Um, this, very much like Emerald Dawn, I felt would have made a very strong movie for the character involved. Like, if they had chosen this as a script in that era... In the like the late eighties is this was gonna be the Captain Marvel movie script. I think it would have actually turned out pretty cool.
2: I agree um, with that. Of I would
3: I so. would have ditched the to um Magnifica and Beautia would be the if I was like if I if I had anything You probably would have changed their names at least. For yeah. for sure.
2: Yeah, that was kind of a holdover he, from he, the
1: he had two other kids that were ugly as well, by the way.
2: <sighs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because there was They're... a daughter that looked exactly like him. I think she was oh, even nice. bald, wasn't she?
3: Awesome. N- I forget. Yeah, I they,
1: they, it was they like kinda...
2: Minerva Savannah or something yeah, like Minerva,
1: that? Yeah, Minerva. And I forget what the the, the, the guy's name. But, but somehow Savannah duped some hot-looking blonde into having sex with him. <laughs> uh, apparently several times. So, it it's probably hung like a horse or something. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's
2: uh,
0: rich.
1: So, but, uh, I mean, and no one was more of a fan of the Golden Age Captain Marvel than Roy Thomas. Right. I mean, he loved that character. So, to have him do this, and, and there was an issue of Alter Ego that went into the stuff that he had planned beyond this. And the introduction of Mary Marvel and how he was thinking of bringing back the Captain Thunder idea he had from earlier in the 80s where it was going to be a a young African-American in a wheelchair. And that was going to be like the Freddie Freeman character. But instead of becoming Captain Marvel Jr., he would have become Captain Thunder.
4: Hmm. So,
1: neat idea. It's just really sad that everything kind of worked out like it did because it was... It was just a series of mis, mis- uh, of unfortunate events, basically. That you know they would get an artist and it wouldn't work out, and they would want another artist, but DC didn't like that artist, and they would draw pages and turn them in, but those ne- but those never went anywhere. And then there was that unfortunately kind of lackluster action comics weekly serial that Thomas wrote, that had him fighting a new Captain Nazi. Um, yeah. Which just wasn't as good as this series. And then his contract with DC and the first uh, option right ran out. And that's when John Byrne took his hand at um, at uh, redefining the character. And that didn't work out either. And it really wasn't until Jerry Ordway took over that the character maintained any kind of stable presence in the DC universe.
2: Well, When um, he came along, he's, he didn't acknowledge any of this, right? I mean, that, it, he kind of rebooted the character again, yeah. if I remember
1: right. Yes, he yeah. did. With the Power of Shazam graphic novel, mm-hmm. which we've talked about on a previous episode.
2: Yeah. Yes. It's just kind of funny. I hadn't really ever thought about that. But, you know, it wasn't very often in the post-crisis days that characters, you know, didn't stick with whatever their initial post-crisis origins were, yet, you know, he did. And I find that very interesting.
1: Well, they had that Power of Shazam graphic novel, and then a year later, Zero Hour happened. So it was, and it was, it was a couple, it was like four or five months after Zero Hour that the Power of Shazam ongoing started. And I remembered really looking forward to that. Right. And I was so excited when it came out, jumping up and down.
2: This was just one of those examples where I, I think that there just wasn't enough people to, to care or that had read this or that had read it and liked it to really you know, be up in arms or anything about you know, them coming out with another title that just kind of dismissed this and did its own thing.
1: It was a four-issue miniseries that, that sprung out of Legends but didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's easy to kind of forget in the in the comic book landscape, especially with all the new readers that were coming in after this series hit the right. stands. That you know that were coming over because of things like the death of Superman and stuff that had no idea this existed. So when a new Shazam origin comes along, it's just part of the deal, basically.
2: I would love to know what character in comics, whose origin has been retold the The most times. Because I I would imagine that Captain Marvel's got to be one of the the top five contenders for that. Because it seems like every time there's a new Captain Marvel series, there's a new origin again, you know?
1: Well, I I think Superman's number one because he's had three new origins in like a decade.
3: (laughs) This is true. (laughs) <laughs> well, there's new origins, and then if you if you really wanted to get crazy, how many times their origins got recounted? You know, whether just like in a one right. page, you know, and Superman remembers his you know origins of Krypton, right? You know, and then it becomes that was Captain Cap was Su- Superman was around before Captain Marvel, wasn't he? Yes, yes.
1: that's where the lawsuit came from.
3: Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, probably I bet you Superman would win, but. Yeah, it's hard I, to say. Cap Cap came along within a year, I believe, because so it was like first,
1: 1940, I think.
2: Oh, was it? I was thinking it was 39, but yeah, with with you know a year, year and a half, I think something like that. But yeah, he was he was one of that uh, initial spate of you know pretty blatant Superman imitators, right. you know, like Wonder Man and. There were several others that most of them, you know, came out, had an issue or two and disappeared because DC was all about suing the shit out of them. But, but Cap was one that lasted because he was just far enough removed, supposedly, that it just got hung up in courts for decades, you know, where where DC kept saying, look, it's, it's our character. And they kept saying, no, he's not, you know, that sort of, you know, basically. Now he is their character. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, that's the ironic thing is that eventually, you know, he got scooped up. And um, you know, unfortunately though, is you know, he got absorbed by them and then nothing really know, got done with nothing him. Nothing really yeah. happened with him. Yeah, exactly. Well,
1: when when they were doing the initial Shazam and new uh the Shazam series from the 70s. And then he had his appearances in DC Comics Presents an All-Star Squadron in the early 80s. They didn't outright own the character at that point. Right. They, they were still kind of somewhat almost leasing the character from, from whoever had the rights from Fawcett. So it's why Roy Thomas couldn't do as much as he, he wanted to with the character before he did this miniseries because he couldn't. You know, there was only a limited number of times they could show the character. There was only a limited number of things they could do with him. So, um, you know, it was just a matter of abiding way- his time. And unfortunately, this was one of the big relaunches after Crisis that, like, you know, you said, Scott, didn't take. It's kind of right. like, you know, Aquaman. You know, when they did his – well, granted, it was like, you know, four years later. But when they did that whole Legend of Aquaman special followed yeah. by that miniseries, it – you know there was a there was an ongoing a little later but nothing really took the the only time aquaman had any kind of consistent series during the post crisis era was when peter david was writing the character right so it, it's just it, it, it's unfortunate but at the same time i don't know if this series would have been a special if something came along like if the Thomas series had failed for one reason or another, and then this might look bad because of that.
5: Um,
2: right. That's true. That's very true.
3: Well, that's all I got on this. Yeah, Anything I, else, Phyllis? No, I'm. Uh, I'm wondering what I'm supposed to read next. <gasps> any uh, Any ideas?
4: Hmm.
3: I
1: want you to read whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Oh,
3: that's a good one!
1: Superman number four twenty-three, action five eighty-three, written by Alan Moore.
3: Oh, I may own this. No, I can't because it wouldn't be. A, it, maybe I'm thinking of a, a swamp thing annual with Superman that Alan Moore wrote. Uh, there yeah, was DC that was Comics for the
1: presents. Yeah, the swamp was, thing in Superman.
3: There was
2: a swamp thing and Superman story. Yeah, that was like yeah, number that's... eighty-six. I want to say something like that. And then there was uh, this an one was annual... like an annual. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's like Superman annual number, number twelve or number eleven something. Yeah, it was for the man who has
3: everything. Oh yeah, Dave Gibbons. I'm always now, down for some Alan Moore. But yeah, this story
1: specifically though. I mean I want you to eventually read Whatever Happened to the Man? I mean uh I mean for the man who has everything for you know make Chris read a goddamn superhero comic. Uh-huh. But I specifically want you to read this because I think Scott and I have both been itching to talk about it. Uh, okay. <laughs> and adding you to the mix would just make the conversation better.
3: Or not. So. it at least takes up a little more time it takes 33% more time so there you go I understand you are an
2: asshole Scott (laughs) aren't I though
5: Hi, my name is Billy Hogan, host of the Superman Fan Podcast, which explores the world of Superman and the many creators who have added to his legacy over the decades. Episodes will feature creator biographies or highlight some of their top stories they have created as well as their top characters. Other episodes will feature topics appropriate to the holiday or the time of the year. For instance, Valentine's Day will feature stories about the women in Superman's life, April Fool's Day will feature some of the bizarre Superman Silver Age stories, or some of the imaginary stories that have been published. Halloween will feature some of the scary Superman stories, or some of his strange transformations, and, of course, some of the Christmas Superman stories. The website can be found at supermanfanpodcast.mypodcast.com.
1: Hi everyone, my name is Michael Bailey. And
0: I'm Jeffrey Taylor.
1: And we host a podcast called From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast.
0: Presented by the Superman homepage. On the show... Wait, wait, wait. What? This just isn't working out for me. It's not bombastic enough. We need something epic.
1: Like what? What?
0: Welcome to From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. Presented by the Superman homepage. I am Jeffrey Taylor. And I am Michael Bailey. From Crisis to Crisis Chronicles the Adventures of Superman. Wait, wait, wait,
1: from- wait, wait. Wait. wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I'm just not feeling this.
0: I'm just wondering how there's a needle scratching sound when all of this is clearly digital.
1: Look, all we need to say is that this is a trailer for a show called From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast presented by the Superman homepage. My name is Michael Bailey.
0: I'm Jeffrey Taylor.
1: And every week we give in depth synopsis and reviews for just about every Superman book published between Man of Steel number one in 1986
0: and Adventures of Superman number 649 in 2006. We also talk about the related Superman media, what was happening in the rest of the world when these comics were published, and what else was going on in the DC Universe.
1: The show drops every Thursday-ish at the Superman homepage, which is located at www.supermanhomepage.com.
0: From Crisis to Crisis is also a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network, located at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Superman,
1: created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. Side effects from Crisis to Crisis include loss of money from buying back issues, a desire to read 20-year-old comic books, nausea, drowsiness, pizza, blurred vision, upset stomach, a desire to kick puppies and kittens, and backache from lifting boxes of Superman comics. If the excitement of From Crisis or Crisis lasts more than four hours, seek immediate medical attention. Because he was so manly.
4: Oh man!
3: See, <laughs> <laughs> so you can say that on our show. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free That's to let the loose the red stuff for on for our Comics show. Monthly
1: Monday now.
3: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> no, I would never change the promo for Comics Monthly Monday, <laughs> which I hear all the fucking time on uh, Hey Kids Comics.
4: <laughs>
1: he plays the shit out of that. He's starting to play Does the FCT yeah he does I love that show those guys make me laugh
2: I was going to ask you I'd actually like to do more one shot type of stuff and do like some of the like Marvel graphic novels and stuff did you yeah. ever read that Marvel graphic novel that was the She-Hulk a so, long time I
3: ago yeah, that, I that had it's a very lot awesome. of cheesecake in it
2: Yeah. well she, uh, she gets beamed up to the uh, helicarrier and they make her take her clothes off remember Cause there's that yeah. asshole shield guy that makes her strip down, and then uh, who is it? It's not Nick Fury. It's uh, is it Dum Dum Dugan. Somebody no, walks it's in
1: like and Waterman, probably. I can't <coughs> remember.
2: Somebody walks in and sees her standing there naked and uh, chews the ass of the guy that made her strip down. And that was always I always liked that. I always thought that was cool. And there's a bunch of those graphic novels that'd be fun to the the one the. Um, where the Avengers fight the living monolith is fucking great. Although, to be honest, the best thing about that one was the cover to the book. I always like that picture of the living monolith punching the, uh, the World Trade Center, and it's all, like, <coughs> shattering and everything. It was really cool. I
3: don't think I ever saw that one.
2: You haven't seen that? No. Of course, then there's always the classic, the very first one, the uh, Death of Captain Marvel, number uh, four. I've never read that. You've never read the Death of Captain Marvel? Wow. Marvel Graphic Novel Number Four was the first appearance of the uh, the New Mutants by Bob McCloud. That's some
3: awesome. I read that late last year. It was really good. Mm Mm-hmm. God Loves, Man Kills was a good Mm -hmm. number five. Yeah,
2: yeah, that is a good one.
3: There were a bunch. What was my 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 favorite of all time was uh, Heartburst by um, Rick Beich.
2: I don't know if I ever read that one.
3: Uh it's awesome.
2: I've got Star Slammers awesome. by uh, Simonson and have still to this day never read it. Which
3: It's one? okay. It looks better than it. it 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 looks better than it reads. The story is okay, but the art's really nice. Yeah. Which one had the robot boxers?
2: Super Boxers? That- Was that the name of it?
1: There is a movie coming out this summer that's that looks. Very, I've never read it, but looks very close to that. Where it's set in the future, where boxing is done by robots. So instead of like, you know, Grant Imahara building battle bots and the, and a bunch of dorks fighting it out, you know, for Comedy Central. Uh-huh. It's uh, Hugh Jackman is in it, and basically him and I don't know if it's his son or just some kid he friends or whatever, but he's but Hugh Jackman's kind of washed up, and they get a sparring robot. They find one and they rebuild it, and basically, it's kind of like a we're going to train this robot to be the best fighter there is, and it looks really interesting. Plus, it's got Hugh Jackman, and I'll watch him do just about anything. So,
2: all right, I just found the one that I want to throw out for next time for uh, after after the next. Get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic. The next one, Marvel Graphic Novel number 33. It's uh, Thor, I Whom the Gods Would Destroy. Have you ever read that? No, I haven't. It's fucking great. I got this probably a year or two ago. I I was kind of just on a Thor kick at the time, and I think somebody had told me something about it that intrigued me, so I wanted to check it out, and it was... uh, I'm pretty sure Jim Shooter he either wrote it or like you know like laid out the idea or whatever cuz the cover gives the credits as Jim Shooter James Owsley. But I think didn't he become Christopher Priest later on? Yes. Paul Ryan and Vin, Vinnie Coletta. it was uh, oh man it's good.
3: It, it it was really solid. I see Vinnie Coletta's name every day as I take a shit.
2: <laughs> really?
3: Yeah, the Dazzler graphic novel is sitting in... in <laughs> there- my roommate got it at a garage sale, and it's sitting in our bathroom. There was, the toilet.
1: there was a very interesting passage in the Gerard Jones, Will Jacobs book, Comic Book Heroes, about him that basically suggested that Vinnie Coletta was given work and kept around under like shady circumstances.
3: He had mob connections, yeah.
1: So yeah.
3: I almost So he was he was somebody's kid who wasn't very talented, but they didn't dare fire him cuz somebody would end up with a horse head in their bed. <laughs> right.
1: My favorite story like that is Harry Donenfeld who went in on the early, early DC comics when it was national, and you know, national and all-American, that he basically bought out when Malcolm Wheeler Nicholson ran out of cash. Before that, Harry Donenfeld had been a publisher of smut, basically, and was very close to going to jail, and he had one of his employees basically admit to everything that happened, you know, it's like no, it wasn't Mister Donenfeld. It was me. It was all my idea. My name's on everything. And basically, he went to jail with the promise that when he got out, he would have a job for life. And apparently, even into the '60s, there was a janitor that worked at DC Comics that didn't do a lick of work and sat around all day reading like the racing form. And it was that guy because after he got out of jail, he was just given a job and it was never fired. Because he took the fall.
3: There's Jesus. a lot more of that going on all over the place. Anyway, that I'm sure it's creepy. <laughs> it would explain oh. a lot of Vinny Coletta's career, though.
1: the The more you get into like the history of these uh, 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 of the characters and the history of the companies and the artists and all that, and and you will not. It's like when Shooter was let go and they burned him in effigy. <laughs> I mean.
2: Well, you know, they they can say what they want about uh, about shooter, but the fucking trains ran on time when he was that there. That is but my I mean,
1: opinion completely. That man got that shit in order. It's it's like if you look at if you look at Marvel in the seventies and eighties. Marvel in the seventies had a lot of really neat ideas running around. There was absolutely no order to it. It was throwing shit at the wall. And seeing what stuck, and sometimes it was really cool, and sometimes it was really bad. Marvel in the '80s was consistent. Yep. You look at those covers, and you can feel that there is something going on in the background to keep all this shit organized. Was all of it gold? No, but most of what I've read from that era is awesome.
3: Is sol and and the stuff that, the 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 stuff that isn't awesome is solid for the most part. You know, there was a. General level of solidness to it, and not a lot of. Yeah,
1: I mean, Shooter's you know. the one that had to choose between who, whatever the name of that writer was for Daredevil,
2: Anasenti.
1: No, this was when Frank Miller was first drawing the character.
2: Oh fuck yeah, I know who you're talking about, but I won't remember it.
1: Yeah, he had to choose between the writer and Frank Miller, and <laughs> he's like, shit, I'm going with Frank Miller. <laughs>
2: holy shit dude somebody's been scanning the old uh comic scene magazines because i was just on ebay looking at those and they're fucking expensive they're more than i would be willing to. yeah pay they're
1: for they're getting they're getting that way because they're getting they're they're becoming vintage
3: so
2: yeah but this shit's all over the uh the bit at the moment that's pretty cool
3: you're gonna start seeing more stuff like and just magazines pretty soon. I'll well, yeah, because people be are running out of comics. And yeah, Fangoria and stuff. Because the yeah, comics have largely been iPads. done. You
2: know, that's why I fucking laughed at the idea that you know everybody's all excited about DC going digital. It's like fuck you, DC. This shit's been available on the <laughs> internet now for at least a year. You know, you I, waited until it was all scanned.
1: I will say this though. I think for their new comics, they're being really smart about it. Because what they're doing is they're releasing it same day as the issues hitting the stands in comic shops, but they're the same price. Mm-hmm. So if you pay three ninety nine for the book in the comic shop, you're paying three ninety nine for the digital copy, and uh, then like a month or so later, they're dropping the price. Oh, okay. They're also, and I think this is brilliant too, offering a combo pack where basically you can buy the comic, and there's going to be a little code in there that you can go to the DC app, enter the code, and get the
3: digital and copy. Get the as digital. Well. That's you see that should have the, been doing that for brilliant. years. Yeah, that's that's really smart. That will get people hooked onto the digitals. You know,
1: I'll, everyone's focusing on the re, like the relaunch aspect of this whole thing. DC just threw down the fucking gauntlet, and they have they for the first time in a in over a decade did something before Marvel that was innovative and really forward thinking. Which is, why, which is one of the main reasons I, I am not minding this relaunch and I will be picking up a bunch of titles. Plus, and I'm really fucking excited about this, Dan Jurgens is drawing the Green Arrow title.
2: You know, I, I can't say is that I haven't heard some news coming out of this that has intrigued me. Because, I mean, there's definitely been some stuff that they've announced that I've been like, wow, you know, that, that sounds interesting. That What it all depends on for me personally, it it all comes down to Superman. It all comes down to what are they doing with that character, and if they're doing a full blown reboot, which I seriously doubt. I mean, Jesus, they just gave him another new origin with uh, with Secret Origin, so I don't, you know, I can't see them rebooting Superman again. But if they're rebooting, you, you can honestly.
1: I could honestly, it seems like what they're keeping is what is working. Like, they they, they announced all the Batman titles today, and mm-hmm. Dick Grayson is going to be Nightwing again. They're keeping Damien as Robin, but it's going to be Bruce Wayne as Batman in kind of the old, like a more traditional style Batman costume, instead right. of the P.O.S. he's wearing right now. Right. Uh, they're making Barbara Gordon Batgirl again. Huh. But Jason Todd's going to be around in, like, like the Red Hood and the Outlaws or something like that. So there's going to be this whole Batman corner to this thing. So, like,
2: like, Batgirl's getting out, I mean, Barbara Gordon's getting out of the wheelchair?
1: I don't know how they're doing it, because the thing is, is that it seems like with, like, the Green Lantern stuff, they're not throwing a lot of way. But with other things, they're kind of relaunching it with a new direction and and they haven't said new origin, but I bet you anything that the characters that haven't been doing well, they're going to give to people to go, okay, you do something with this and see if it works. You know, the latest rumor that came out today is that George Perez is going to be writing and drawing Superman. Number one, I would love to see what he would do with a Superman revamp.
2: See, that's the thing I'm, I may have to check that out, but, it's 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 a total wait and see for me at this point because I've honestly I've sworn off DC, but if they're willing to backpedal or or compromise and meet me halfway with some of the things that I'd like to see you know them do with Superman, then you know I I, I was never at a point where I'll, I'll never come back, but you know certain concessions have to be made. But what makes me nervous that it's probably not going to be enough to win me back is that yeah I'm excited about Perez on Superman but then the other Superman title they're giving it to Grant Morrison who if there's one human being on the planet who doesn't fucking understand Superman it's Grant Morrison why in the hell would you hand Superman to that guy so you know it's a wait and see game but I'm, I'm intrigued at the very least
1: Here's why I was initially and still am very excited about the whole thing. DC has been, since the end of Infinite Crisis, for lack of a better term, very wishy-washy about its, about, about its launches and its, and its characters and all that. Mm-hmm. They, they would launch something, and if it didn't do as good as they wanted it to, they would immediately backpedal it and they would like have like supergirl and the legion of superheroes which was a great title but at the same time they were planning to bring back the classic legion and didn't bother to tell mark wade about this so you had all these things like happening at the same time they were just like well you know the legion from mark wade series is the legion of earth prime and this you know the legion of hero hour legion is the legion of earth two and this you know the classic legion is the earth one legion blah blah, blah or new earth or earth prime or whatever the hell they wanted to call it and <laughs> you know they, they they they've had some successes you know while some of it does come off as very heavy-handed love hal jordan or someone's gonna get cut almost the green lantern books have been consistently good they are entertaining reads, and they've done interesting things with them. I, I recently finished up Blackest Night, and while it's a very repetitive series, it was still decent, and put out there the concept that there isn't just a Green Lantern core, there's a Red Lantern, an Orange Lantern, a Yellow Lantern, and that's kind of a neat concept to me. And, you know, they brought back Barry Allen, which I was kind of annoyed with and still am, but apparently the Flash series was rather good. And this seems to be them going, okay, we've made some mistakes, we're going to keep what's working, maybe changing it slightly to fit into this new thing let's give it a shot by just putting it out there of a brand new DC universe that, you know, we're starting over with number ones, so new readers can get in, and old readers can jump on, and the Dio said, he's like, you know, the point of this was to get, like, older readers to bring in newer readers, instead of just cannibalizing off of people who are disenfranchised with Marvel. And I gotta hand it to Dan to Dio, too. I've never seen the man do this. He actually apologized if people were feeling disenfranchised over this. You know what like, that what?
2: tells me? What? That tells me that everything that you and I were preaching since, say, infinite crisis or so, has been working. That they <laughs> finally started to listen because a lot of people did the thing that, that we've been telling them that they should do. They stopped buying the books, which I've I've said all along. If you want them to listen to you, if you want any business to listen to you, you gotta tell them a monetary... You gotta send them a monetary message. Uh-huh. You gotta withhold your dollars. Because going on to the DC Comics boards or, you know, bitching on some podcast, or that only goes so far. For the most part, it falls on deaf ears because... You know, if you're bitching up a storm about Storyline X that you can't stand, but you're buying it so that you can bitch about it, then you're you're sending them a message of approval. Yeah. In the long yeah,
3: run, they, you're telling them... they know them, they're in trouble when their, letters, when their letter bag's empty. Exactly. <laughs> that's when the trouble starts. Yeah, they
2: know they're in trouble when their coffers are empty. You know, that's what it yeah. comes down to. You know, if you hate one more day... But you continue to buy everything that they've published afterwards just so that you can go on to some forum and complain and bitch and moan about it, then you're sending them a message that says, I approve. But if you truly don't approve, the message that they understand is when holy shit, you know, this book was doing, you know, 50,000 copies a a month. Now it's doing borderline cancellation numbers. That's when shit starts to turn around. And I think that's exactly what's been happening at DC Comics. I think that they did disenfranchise a hell of a lot of people. And I kind of think they're in scramble mode, but, you know. That's me I, as an outsider, not an
1: insider it, so. it may not be it may not be so much scramble mode as them looking at the reality of the situation and thinking, okay, digital is going to be the future of this. You know, maybe we should line up the comics a little more with the media we're doing it would be it would not surprise me if the Superman costume that they're bringing out for this thing has something to do with the movie. It could not here's my fear. This is what I'm scared of. Like, like honestly, well, not like honestly scared of. It's not like I'm, I'm waking up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat going, ah,
3: oh, God. Ah, ah. But, um. Yeah, right. Shut up. <laughs> um. Uh,
1: <laughs> the. Uh. I'm. I'm worried that this all has something to do with Grant Morrison's multiverse story. Yep. Yeah. And that they're launching all these new number ones because they might be on different Earths. I mean, there's 52 new number ones. Now, I'm not putting a lot of stock in that, but it's that little nagging voice in the back of your head that's just like, eh, maybe. <laughs> it would suck if they did it, but...
0: Eh, maybe.
1: <laughs> so... I don't know. I just
2: I, I, I agree with you, though. It's it's a healthy fear that I have. You know, I, I'm I'm just going to lay it on the line right here. I'm you know, and the and the extremely unlikely off chance that uh, Dan De is actually listening, or hell, maybe this message can get to him. Somebody, maybe somebody can send this, pass this along to Mister De I'll tell you what, dude. I haven't been happy with a hell of a lot of a lot of your editorship. As a matter of fact, you know, I really was tempted to chew your ass, but good when I saw you at uh, Megacon not long ago. But i tell you what, all will be forgiven and uh, you'll be my favorite human being if you'll just do one thing regarding this reboot. Fire Grant Morrison and refuse to give that son of a bitch a job from now on because he's got, you know, unless it's working on freaking Doom Patrol or Animal Man or any of those books that I could give a rat's ass about. Then that's fine. Give him that shit to play with. He can fuck those characters up to his heart's content. But keep him off mainstream comics like Superman, Batman, all of those. I will be so happy because I I blame him for a lot of the direction that comics uh, DC stuff is taken these days. And my biggest fear, you know, right up there, like you said, Mike, with the, with the multiverse thing and all that. But also just. God, the, the thought of him doing a mainstream monthly Superman title just... Uh, it, it frightens me because I don't want kids to grow up thinking that that's some sort of norm for Superman. That weird, fucked up, drugged out shit that he writes. Uh, just, I, I can't fathom why in the world they're handing that character to that guy. He's so ill-matched for it. I just don't understand it. It's fine if they want to do some Elseworld thing some one shot or some mini series like All-Star Superman but I think that's the problem that book had a certain measure of success and so it's like oh well he did so good with this let's just hand him the character. No dude you know Alan Moore had some great Superman stories in him too but you didn't see them handing Alan Moore Superman to write the mainstream regular monthly uh, Superman they title.
1: They did Scott.
2: Yeah, I know. And it, that would have scared,
1: right <laughs>
2: yeah, scared the shit out of me because I I love Alan Moore for the, for the most part. But I think he's an ill fit for the regular incontinuity monthly Superman title. Just ag- as much as I think that Grant Morrison is.
1: I'll agree with you to a point because I, I think that Grant Morrison does his best work when it is a character like Animal Man or it's a group like Doom Patrol. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading his runs on both of those books. I really am. I have them. They're sitting in the other room. And one day I'll sit down and I'll probably enjoy them because it's the milieu in which he works in best. Right. The thing is, is that if he can write a Superman book that was as badass as his JLA run, I'll be happy. Because until, until that very last issue, I dug the crap out of his JLA run. I think he he brought back the Magnificent Seven. He brought back you know the, the big guns as the Justice League. And I'm not saying that it has to be the big guns as the Justice League because I think the Justice League is one of those teams where you could have it be the big guns or you can have it be the Booster Golds and the Blue Beetles and both are equally as valid as long as the stories are good. Because mm-hmm. let's face it, you could have Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Green Lantern, Flash, and Martian Manhunter in every issue of Justice League. And if the story sucks, it's gonna suck. <laughs> it doesn't matter that they're there, right? You've got to do something with them. So, I honestly think if he has been given Superman to work with, that it's not going to be All Star Superman because that seemed to be a very personal story for him that he told. He said he said a lot of what he wanted to say about that Superman in that story. So my hope is, is that if he is, because I, I mean, I'm looking forward to the, if Perez is on Superman, I'm there opening day.
2: It does make Morrison's Superman more palatable if they're separate entities. You know what I mean? To where the Morrison Morrison's doing his thing, Perez is doing his thing. It's the same character, but there's not any bleed over or crossover anything like that. They're both basically doing their own separate interpretations, and one's not contradicting the other, but they're not interweaved to where, in order to read and enjoy the Perez title, I have to suffer through the Morrison title, because there was a lot of that back in the day, like when... uh, they had the triangle numbering. I suffered through the entire run of Man of Steel. I'm sorry, but that book sucked from issue one to the last one. I hated that title. So I'd, I would never want to relive those days. So, But if the Perez book is going to be the, the anti-toxin, if you will, for the Morrison book, then I could be there for that because I I would love to see... Basically, a Superman version of Perez's run on Wonder Woman, because that was an excellent title. When Perez, did you ever read that the 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 Perez Wonder Woman?
1: I've read most of it. I loved it.
2: I thought it was awesome.
1: And that's kind of what I'm hoping for.
2: Yeah, me too. Me too. If if he can bring that level of excellence in both writing and art to uh, to Superman, hell yeah, I I could totally be won back but now, it's that morrison thing that 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 really worries me that that's going to that's going to be the the deal breaker
1: now here's the funny thing involving superman cuz i'm like you you know it all hinges on how they deal with superman mhm for me but here's the funny thing cuz uh the day this broke i got <laughs> I got several private messages. I got several IMs when I was on Facebook or Gmail. John Wilson and I were exchanging texts, and a, my buddy, a buddy of mine who goes by the name Marrow online, actually called me to make sure I wasn't on a bell tower somewhere taking shots at people below, which was funny. The conversation went, "Hello, hey Mike, hey, doing okay?
3: <laughs> How you <Yeah>. doing, buddy? <laughs>
1: your computer today." saw it and looking forward to it (laughs) you're an m16 (laughs) today (laughs) exactly but john texted me and asked me for me and for apparently other people who were wondering my opinion on it was the million dollar question what about the marriage and here was my response if it's a new continuity they don't have to be married If this is a new Superman with a new origin and a new concept behind it, then it's not like Spider-Man where they're trying to keep it within the same universe except this one thing didn't happen. Right. If they're going for a whole remodel instead of calling it a reboot, let's call it a remodel, then the potential for the marriage is still there. And it's okay because the Superman I grew up with got married and he had a good run of being married. But if they're going with a new Superman, then it's okay that he's not married. It would almost be like seeing a, a new Superman movie where he wasn't married and it's okay because it's completely different from the continuity from before. I'm actually cool with it because it's nothing like what they fucked over in Spider-Man.
2: The only the only way that that would work for me is if then Lois, how do I want to put this? If you're not just going back to the same old tired Lois Superman Clark Kent love triangle, is she going to find out? Is she not going to find out? Is she always going to be a bitch to Clark, or are they going to eventually get romantic? You know, all of that because it's all been done. It was done for 50 years or better before they finally, you know, he broke the secret to her. They got engaged. They got married. I don't want to relive that. I don't care if it only takes, in a new continuity, it only takes them five to 10 years to find each other and get remarried. I just don't want to relive it. I, I've been there, I've done that story. So if they're going to to do away with the marriage and a new continuity, which I'm I'm honestly not opposed to it, I just don't want to see him jump back on that tired old bandwagon of of the lowest Superman Clark. Then give him a completely new love interest, throw Lana Lang back into the mix, something different, but or do
1: do something different with their dynamic because they're you know they're. I think of, of all the things that Smallville did wrong, one of the things they did right was the relationship that developed between Lois and Clark. Because it wasn't her constantly trying to figure out his secret identity. She knew something was up with him in the episodes that I saw, but she figured it out before he told her.
5: And I liked that.
1: I like that concept. I liked what they did in Secret Origin, where right away... Lois knows something's up with Clark. She doesn't quite know what it is, and at first she's going to mistake it for him just being a good reporter and a rival, so they're going to have that kind of relationship, where she sees him as kind of an equal in terms of being on the Daily Planet staff, and then eventually putting two and two together. I could go for that, but I am kind of, I am with you, though. I, 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 I have seen that kind of story play out again and again and again,
5: right. and...
1: In that sense, yeah, it would be just like the Spider-Man uh, soft reboot where basically it's a couple of writers and an editor-in-chief that wanted to have Peter be single again because that's how they remember the character. Right, so it, and that's it, that's
2: exactly what I, where I see the Superman thing going is that this is going to reset the character to a point that is in the collective perception of... I'm just going to say America. I don't know how the world views Superman, but in the American, you know, Joe average perception, Superman's a superhero. As Clark Kenny works at the Daily Planet and he has this love triangle thing going on with Lois Lane. And that's what people think of because of whatever they saw in the movies or, you know, in the old George Reeves show, whatever their their big influence was or the comics that they read as a kid years and years ago. But you ask the average man on the street, you know, that he's probably not aware that Superman and Lois Lane have been married for 20 years. You know that that's just that's not the bigger image of the character that's out there. That's the comic book image and it's it's much smaller compared to the movies and other media that that you know, those things get a larger audience. So I'm afraid that they're doing that to get back in line with that perception. That Joe Average has, and that's kind of my problem with with this type of thinking, is that I just don't think comics are, are. They should feel the need to try to reach everybody. I think that that's where the disenfranchising comes from, is when you don't realize that you have a certain audience already. And to a certain degree, you kind of got to cater to these people. Otherwise, you run the risk of disenfranchising them, and then they bail on you, and then there goes your revenue stream. It's wonderful to try to romance new new readers and try to get new people, but again, I just you know it's a hell of a tightrope. Act to, to have the walk. It's
3: necessary to romance new people because otherwise you end up with nobody because <laughs> your readers are going to eventually die out if you don't replace them. You know, right, you no, I understand them.
2: that but it's just, like I say, it's a tight rope act, but
3: Well, I think they're reaching, I think they should, I don't know, I'm I, I tend to agree with you, but at the same time I think maybe you should, the, the thing about it is if Okay, if, if the Superman that's out is a Superman that you want that's developed over that time, I'm not thinking about, like, the 20-year-olds. I'm thinking about the 10-year-olds. Right. You know, what What are the te- the 10 year old? I mean, the dynamic of the love triangle with Clark Lois, it's been done and done and done, but those 10-year-olds might not be reading those old action comics, and that dynamic is, is just, like, it's part of the, I mean... Why Superman is Superman, it's it's what the, the for some reason that dynamic of, you know, secret identity, you know, that whole idea of it has become you know, it's it's mythological in proportion. Believe me, so I So what can you do with it? You know? I understand
2: I mean, exactly where you're coming from. I do. It but it comes down it, it comes down to the Spider Man argument. That kids today, you know, are, are, you know, using your example, a 10-year-old kid doesn't want to read about a 40-year-old married Spider-Man. You know, that, that they want a young Spider-Man who's hip and cool and he's not married and he's more or less, you know, a little bit older than them and he's high school or college age and he's young and free and swinging and all that sort of thing. I understand
3: that argument. Why can't I, you make make a Spider-Man for those guys? You know, right. make a Spider-Man for for grown-ups? See, I see all that. Make but, a Spider-Man for
2: 21 and over. See, they did yeah. that with like Ultimate Spider-Man, but see, my my argument against that is that basically what happens when you fall into that uh, argument and you begin to agree with it that yeah, you know, these characters should always be more or less iconic and only have the illusion of change, you know, but you really don't want to get them too far removed from, you know, the, the popular perception say, of who I'm they say are. What have happens no is you control over it. No, well, you have Yeah, there is control over it. What what happens though? My In argument term, against that doesn't work. My argument against that sort of thinking is that what you're ultimately doing is you're retarding the medium. You know, you're, you're keeping it stuck at a level where it is regarded the way it's regarded. Sure, comics have come a hell of a long way in 20 or 30 years. You know, when we've had books like Watchmen and Dark Knight and things like that that have really elevated the medium to a, a more respectable level where, you know, you've got people that read, you know, John Grisham and shit that will also pick up, you know, a trade paperback and not feel ashamed or embarrassed or like they have to hide it like it's porn or something. But we're still a hell of a long way from truly standing on, this, on the same level as as a lot of other, quote-unquote, respectable forms of media. Comics, largely by regular folks, are regor- regarded as kiddie fodder, as, as silly... I mean, they look at a lot of comic book people, comic book readers, us, the fans, the fanboys, as somehow we're stupid because we read comic books, you know, like like we're not uh, smart enough to read a real book or something you know i i get this all the time and i think that a lot of that that image that stays that stigma that stays with comics is because we're doing it to ourselves when you allow them to constantly push the the reset button and put these characters right back to where they were twenty thirty forty years ago and you're, you're staying constantly stuck in the middle of the story, what you wind up at the end of the day is fucking Dagwood, you know? To where these characters never really go anywhere. I, I just, I, I want to see the medium progress. I, I want to see the characters progress. And I felt like we, we kind of got that with some well, of these characters. Sa-
3: here's what I'm saying. Maybe Superman, maybe the society will not let, you know, I mean... The media can progress, but maybe Superman isn't meant to, pro- to progress because I'm not saying that I wouldn't rather read a Superman that's progressing, but I'm just saying it may never get accepted fully by the public at, at large, hence you have reboot after reboot after reboot after reboot Right. when... when Superman for now might be might be something that you want to give to children you know have children reading Superman comics because the ideas are you know, those, they're those pure they're, they're the pure basis of superhero comics you know it's the, you know, Truth, Justice, and American Way Stranger in a Strange Land you know Clark Kent as the embodiment of nerd, love triangle, all that. And and that puts that basic all those basic icons and you know stuff into your head as a little kid. And then as you get older, how hey, you can start reading your Alan Moore comics and your comics where it's more like real... And I'm not saying Superman should be relegated to kiddie fodder, but it should be sort of in that land where a Superman comic... I always say this, should be should be able to be read from a, you know, you know, a five-year-old could, might be able to read it and maybe not understand what's going on, but it's not going to traumatize him. Right. And a 10-year-old right. should be able to get what's going on, but an adult should be able to... I, I don't think it's too difficult to have something a 10-year-old, an adult can read and both have them enjoy it, even on different levels, and it not be, you know a problem for the kid to read it. You know what I mean? Uh, and I yeah, think Superman is just such... It stands for that so much that no matter how much you try to change or or progress him, society at large wants... They want Superman. They want him doing the iconic things, that uh, you know, you know, up, up, and away, and it's a bird, it's a professor, it's beating bullet, and all that. It's just been... So put into and it has some uh, and it, it must have such a huge resonance, you know. That but, but being an icon like that,
2: you know, on a regular monthly in and out basis,
3: I just the most horrible like onus. To yeah, carry around it, it, your it's neck.
1: it's the it's the the problem with Superman. As a character is because so many people want to look at him as an icon, but an icon is boring month to month.
2: Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, yes. You know, Elliot S. Magan, who's one of the most at one point he was one of the most prolific Superman writers, but he certainly for a while there was also one of the most well-known you know, was, was of, the, is of the opinion basically, and he stated this in interviews that, you know, at the end of a Superman story, Superman has to be right and you, have to feel, and you should feel uplifted and unfortunately on a dramatic level and what engages me as a reader uh, I can't go for that it's, it's why the post-crisis Superman worked for me so well, is that I was given a world and a drama to buy into
3: and mm-hmm. you don't know where it's going.
1: Exactly. And
3: right. for,
1: you know, it. I think at the end of the day when Superman goes in to work, basically, that, you know, he should be confident, that he should, you know, have a certain moral certainty that what he is doing is right. And I don't mean in a naive way. I'm just saying, you know, a conviction. That okay, I am here to fight for truth, justice, and the American way, you know. And whatever the American way means to you, you know, is probably not what it means to him. I mean, you know, to, to some people, the American way is let's get rid of all the black people. So, right. so that's that's just not going to work in a Superman story. It would make right. national news, but it just <laughs> won't work on a dramatic level. But it
3: would icon- sell comics, but not in the way that they yeah. want.
1: Yeah, icons are boring. You know, a guy that always makes the right decision, that's always, you know, that that isn't... You know where
3: every story's going, you know, know, all you can do is just shade the same story over and over again different ways if you can, which... I want the
1: Superman that when he's out fighting Lex Luthor or Metallo or Brainiac, that he is completely, you know, it's like, I'm doing this... This has to be done. I'm taking care of it. And everyone looks up and goes, yay, Superman saved us. But when he gets home, he's like, man, am I doing the right thing here? You know, is everything I did about this, you know, that's where the drama comes in. Because you kind of get the best of both worlds that way. You do get a Superman that has self-doubt, but he's not a whiny, emo, Peter Parker type character. Right. You know, and and un- though I do, as much as I feel like that, I do believe Superman is the one superhero that should always get the free pass when it comes to the public. Like, I don't want to see stories where the public is like, is Superman a menace? You know, Give J. Jonah Jameson break. does not write editorials for the Daily Planet, and he never should. So. I don't want uh, to see
2: that on a month-in, month-out basis, but at the same rate, I do think that that's one of the... uh the great, you know, quote-unquote untold superman stories. I used to have this list in my head. I should have written that's, it down at some point over the years. That's a
3: podcast right there, The Great Untold Superman Stories. Yeah, well, Jesus you know, Christ.
2: that there was that there was basically five or six, you know, great untold superman stories or may, that's probably a misnomer, but it was something to the effect of, you know, the 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 superman stories that that appealed to me the most and it was something like You know, Superman powerless, you know, where he loses his powers, you know, Superman without his memory, Superman, you know, where the public turns on him or Superman, you know, as an enemy of the people type of thing, you know, several different stories like that. Now, you know, they've been tackled over the years in different aspects, but I'm talking like the the all out definitive final version, you know, kind of like the death of Superman, because the death of Superman I was going to say will never really happen again. Sure, it will way down the road after we're all gone. You know, <laughs> they'll probably have another death of Superman story that'll you know be some huge or an attempt to be some huge thing. But for the most part, that story is now off the table because it's been done and it was huge and it was a it was a media event. I'm talking like media event style. You know, the definitive. You know, Superman, enemy of Earth story. I don't think that story's been done yet. There's been some really good attempts at it. You know, like uh, you know the Superman King of the Krypton. World story. Oh, was it? See, yeah, I hadn't new read Krypton
1: that. Was a lot of Kryptonians are bad. We still kind of like Superman, but we may not even trust him either. Right. So it, that that's kind of why I want them to go away from that because. It, it has been so much of Superman on the outs with the world. Mm. Uh, and I, I just don't need to see that. Any, not anymore, but I don't need to see it now.
2: That's right. A better
1: way to say that, I think.
2: I think that was a wonderful tangent. I think we did a... a <laughs> I don't know that we reached any solid conclusions, but I think that was an awesome
1: tangent. It's not, it's not something you want to reach a conclusion on, though. You because know, cause really you got to live it, leave it up to the listener to decide how to feel. Ultimately, you just present a bunch of stuff and you put it out there and see how and sit and watch the forum light
3: up. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because like I'm I'm trying to t- talk about it in uh, what I think is happening, and and Scott, you're coming from it uh from a what I what should happen point of view. So it's it's really interesting. But the thing is, when does it actually happen? When does the whole DC universe September, or, very beginning of September. Oh, my God. So it's got a while for them to keep building on the August, August 30, on the, yeah August oh,
1: 31st, yeah. two books come out, uh, Flashpoint number five and Justice League number one.
2: Well... I hope I didn't come across as too down on the idea or too negative. No, I mean, you it al- great. I mean, ultimately for me, it comes down to it, it's a wait and see game. I'm just going to have to see how it shakes out, which I imagine you know that's probably what everybody's doing. But I, you know, I'm I'm not poo pooing the idea, and I'm not you know all hooray, let's go with the idea. It's it's um, right, right smack in the middle of the road with it, so we'll, we'll yeah, see yeah. where it goes.
1: The funny thing for me, though is I'm really annoyed at the people on Facebook that are losing their freaking minds over this.
3: And nothing's even happened yet.
1: There's one guy who I'm not going to name in case this turns up in the episode that... I'm thinking it is.
3: Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was a great rant. (laughs) He's
1: just being a jackass. And like leaving comments on Dan Di wall, like Dan, do you realize how many people you're going to lose? Do you realize that you've ruined? So he and I, this guy and I got to, and John Wilson and a couple other people got into like a, a kind of a debate on because Superman's costume has changed, the character is ruined forever because the costume is such an iconic part of the character. Now I agree with that. Superman's costume is, is iconic, but that doesn't mean that the idea that they change it up a little bit, considering the fact that it was changed greatly from the first time he appeared to the end of that decade... Right. Um, ...that maybe it is time for the costume to get kind of a new
3: look. And you know what? If it doesn't work, it'll just go back to the old way. The way pe- You know, it'll end up the way people like it, and which will probably be the old color scheme or whatever, but it's not the costume that makes Superman, you know?
1: As long as he's got a blue costume with a red-ass red shield and a red cape, I'm pretty cool.
2: Well, people like that, I you know, I always, I always kind of laugh a little bit because people like that, to me, they seem like maybe they're just not paying attention because anybody that touches that character adds or detracts something from him. So Superman's costume in the larger sense is ever changing, you know, because you'll get one artist that, you know, they'll they'll draw him where, you know, he's got a, a certain way he wears his cape or a certain length to the cape or, you know, a certain belt buckle or something like that. And the next guy will come along like John Byrne and give Superman a great big bulky Thor style cape, you know, and a certain hairdo. And then the next guy will come along and Superman's basically got slicked back hair and just a tiny little goofy spit curl and a you know a very slender cape that's just barely hanging onto his shoulders and you know make the S small and puny and then the next guy will come along and make the S huge again and give it a slightly different look to the you know the swirls inside and you know so it's ever changing all the time and some of the stuff sticks and some of the stuff doesn't I mean, as long as, like you said, Mike, it's it's blue and it's got red underpants and it's got a red cape and a big red S on it, I'm going to be more or less happy with it. You I know? think
1: they've gotten rid of the underpants, but there seems to be red accents around that area because hmm. they haven't really given a good look at the new Superman costume. We probably will get that tomorrow. Or later today, because the Batman stuff came out today. But if you look at that Jim Lee picture, it looks like there's like accents around the, the the belt line, but not like full on underpants. And and I'm okay with that. I used to think that I wouldn't be, but if the cost, bottom line, if the costume looks cool, it's not going to matter. You know, if it looks good, then it looks good, and it's just as valid as any other Superman uniform. And
2: Well, if they wanted to go with a two piece thing similar to like the the, the super boy that came out of the Death of Superman storyline, you know, where where it was basically red pants instead of red underpants. Mm-hmm. I could learn I could learn to live with that.
1: That would kinda that would kinda be bad against the red cape though. I think. I, I think the reason uh, why that that's, costume, Yeah, that's
2: a good point. Yeah.
1: I think the reason why that costume worked is it had and I'm no expert on color, but the appeal of that costume was you had the black collar, the blue shirt with the red S on it, but you also had the red S kind of touching the black as well, and then you right. had the red pants and the black boots. That looked good.
2: So this one, it, this new one you're talking about, then how how does it work? So it's all just blue? Then does, he look like I Ultraman, like wouldn't he?
1: They they haven't given a full clear picture of it. Another thing people are hung up about is that everyone has these collars. Which, again, I don't see a problem with. It looks kind of good to me. Um, Right. I mean, there's some problems artistically. Flash looks a little wonky. Because he's got, like, a chin guard. Now, and the antennae on his head are huge. But, you know, it's all going to depend on who the artist is working on them. You know, if George... (laughs) George Perez cannot draw a bad Superman. I think he's genetically incapable of doing so.
4: <laughs>
1: I think when George Perez was born, God, him or herself, said, This, this baby, baby will never draw a bad Superman. Superman. <laughs> and there was, some, like, some light involved, I think. But, um... You know, it's not like Alex Ross, who's Superman I don't like. <laughs> Boy, is that an unpopular opinion, too. <laughs>
3: No Who's, I mean he the really painter painter guy yeah, yeah.
1: I, I hate the s it's the reason why I don't like Ethan van skyver' superman they they make the they make the bottom part of the of the pentagon Pentagon shield out of proportion from the top part mm. so where you have the top part where you have the flat thing and then the, the you have two things that go down at an angle right when you have that bottom part, which is the two lines meeting at the bottom, if that's too long the S looks bad to me. Right, I want something in proportion. It's kind of why I liked that S that was around during the burn time, that was kind of circular almost, instead of being straight lines because it made everything look kind of cool but uh, I'm just, I am really done with people bitching about comics on the internet (laughs) (laughs) Really I mean, there is a difference between critical analysis and just complaining.
3: And just complaining, yeah. Eventually, it just comes down to, like, <laughs> stop reading what you're complaining about, or stop complaining, or fit, or somehow get a job there and fix the problem. Otherwise, yeah. Well, actually—that's just what Scott was saying earlier.
2: Yeah, it actually it owes was. into something I wanted to ask you, Mike. When when we kind of got off on this tangent, you had mentioned how people were messaging you, and and you know, basically, it almost sounds like baiting you. You know, with the 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 yeah. next thing that they expect your head's going to explode about.
4: Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just
2: wonder how do you feel about that because, you know, I I, I think that there is. I get that, too. I get it all the time. People keep sending me, you know, different news, you know, like, uh, you know, the latest news update about the new Star Trek movie or, yeah. you, know, you know, all right, you know, listen to what, you know, uh, Dan DiDio or Joe Casada is saying because now. Because
3: you to- guys do a podcast where you talk about this stuff and you get impassioned about it, I, so... Oh, sure, I understand it, that, but I... people I, like listening to it, so they, they're they like, I want to, you know... They, they, you, you read something, like don't you ever read something like that and you think, God, I wonder what so-and-so thinks about, would think about this, yeah. you know, someone very opinionated that you know, you know, you say, I wonder what this guy would say. They have the opportunity to go, I wonder what Scott Gardner would say. I don't know, I'll send him an email and find out, you know? <laughs> I
2: hope that's all it is, but a lot of times, I gotta be honest, it has more the feel to me of, of, you know, let's wind the monkey, you know? Yeah,
1: it's intent, at that point right if they're like yeah. hey i saw this article and i thought you know i wondered what you think of it and or <laughs> i'm really gonna wind him up now and he's just gonna he's just gonna explode and i'm gonna sit back with my popcorn and my soda and this is better than going to the movies
2: right right
1: so uh you know m- my friend marrow i think he would it was something we had been talking about two days before and he knows my history of, of of going, of blowing my top. But I'm going to tell you one thing. The time I spent away, the nine months to a year that I spent away from, like, collecting new comics and reading them and, and, and being emotionally invested gave me a completely new perspective on everything. So that when I came back, it was because I wanted to and I was going to read what I wanted to read. And I wasn't going to sit there it's a saying if I ever do a views from the long box t-shirt the views logo is going to be on the front and reading comic books is not a contact sport is on the back or at least will be one of the things that goes on the back of the various t-shirts because it's not and i think a lot of people are viewing. i think people i think there are people out there that pick up the latest issue of superman batman green lantern spider-man whatever title anything written by my, brian michael bendis and i think they go in with the intention of what am i going to hate about this and complain right. about this?
2: right one. absolutely i agree with you and i don't understand that you know, because when I found it's a myself... Waste of time, money, that, and energy. Yeah, when I found myself at that point with any given book that I realized I'm buying this out of rote, I fucking hate this, and every time I buy it, it's just pissing me off. You know, I'm not... Please mi- don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to place myself on some sort of pedestal and say I'm so much better than the other fanboys. I'm Neither not saying I. that at all. I'm simply saying when I realized that i was at that point i got the fuck out and i think that's what everybody should do save yourself the fucking high blood pressure save yourself the money man if you're hating what you're buying i don't care what it is if it's you know if it's the comics you're buying the movies you're watching or the fucking cereal you're eating stop buying it i mean (laughs) is this rocket
1: science you know and the. It's the like footstop.
3: this. I, I bought some. Ch- these the cereal called Cheerios. I never heard of it before. It was the shit you ever ate. Wasn't it tasted it? like fucking dried up dog shit. So I wrote the company and I said, can you add some more sugar to this shit so it doesn't taste like dried up dog shit? Because I'm getting pretty damn sick of eating dried up dog shit. And I kept buying it and they would not fucking change it. So I, you know, write them and say, "Can't you make some fucking chocolate covered dog shit or something?" And they just won't change it, man. I fucking it's driving me nuts because I'm eating it every morning.
1: Here's the flip side to that, Scott. And this is my perspective now. If you choose to continue reading it, do it because you like the character and try to overlook the little things that you might hate about it. Don't go in thinking, I'm going to hate this. Go in thinking, what am I going to like about it? because you know I came back to superman because I missed reading about superman month after month so when I started reading the stories I put a lot of my preconceived notions about like grounded for example I put those to the side and I took the story on its own merits and I think that's a lot of that's that's another thing people are doing too much with the comics they read and the shows they watch is that they personalize it too much I don't like this issue because I felt the writing was kind of stagnant. I felt that the artwork was a little off and I didn't like how they treated this character it is different than I didn't like this story. Cause I think Jeff Johns is an asshole. And I think a lot of people are coming at the books with this. I don't like the writer. So I'm not going to like the art that he produces. he or she produces. And you do have to, to a certain extent, separate the art from the artist and take the story on its own and what it represents for the character. But again, I'm weird.
2: When you went back to Superman, though, what did you find? I mean, did you get back into it and genuinely enjoy it, or because here's the thing: is that I, I just I had the impression that that. I'm just not sure how to word this, that you that you may have gone back out of some weird form of peer pressure. You know, like you're the Superman guy. God damn it. You should be reading Superman, you know, and, you know, I'm not knocking you for it. It's just that was kind of the impression that I had, if you know what I mean, you know, And, and I'm wondering what you found when you got back there. Did you genuinely? enjoy it and you were over, able to overcome the things that I know drove you away from it? Or was it kind of, well, I'm back in the same row I was in before where I'm buying the ship, but I'm really not into it.
1: Being the Superman guy I did play into it, but it wasn't the overall reason for it. Mm-hmm. What got me back is that I saw an ad for the reign of the doomsday storyline. And I was like, wow, Doomsday's crossing over with Steel, and he's going to be with the Eradicator, and he's going to be in Superboy. And it's just like, God, I remember how awesome that was in 1993. So I thought, okay, I'm going to pick up this series, and I'm going to read it. And if I like it, I'm going to give some other, you know, I'll, I'll I'll give the Superman universe a chance again. And when I read it, starting with the Steel special and going on with the, you know, the Outsiders, which had the Eradicator. There was a big thing with the Justice League. There was an issue of Superboy. And I found that the feeling that the story had was a lot like the feeling of 1993 when you were reading the Reign of the Superman story and the excitement that generated. I also looked at Action 900 and went, damn, I've gotten 600, 700, and 800 now 900 coming up, and I'm not going to get it. And that felt wrong somehow, uh, which is one of the more – how do I want to say this? One of the more irrational sides of it. But, but when I came back, I came back because I wanted to. I came back because I wanted to give it another shot. After being away and after gaining that perspective I was talking about, I wanted to see – Okay, is it as bad as ever, as I think it was as I thought it was going to be? And is there anything here that I like? And I found so much in Superman that I liked, especially Chris Robertson adding that little wrinkle that Clark Kent grew up reading Iron Monroe comics. I saw that and I went, here's a writer that is thinking about the character and why the character does what he does. And on a story level, it's neat that Clark was inspired by a superhero that had powers like him. On a, as a reader, it's really neat that two characters that I think should have met by now are that much closer to being together. Right, right. So, And Superboy is an excellent title. It's a very well-written title, and it's it's just a, it's just a good book. Uh, I haven't caught up on Supergirl yet, and I'm waiting for Chris Johnson to send me those action books he bought for me that I sent him the money for back in April. Whoa! I, I need to message him again.
4: <laughs>
2: so, do you read uh, the uh, Adventure Comics title?
1: Uh, no, I, I, I did for a little while when it had Superboy in it, but
2: um, oh, is I'm he just, not in that book anymore?
1: No, it became more of a Legion book.
2: I thought they had their own book. They do. Oh, so there's two Legion books? Yes. Hmm. See, I thought about uh, I thought about actually getting back into that because as much as I didn't like what they did with Superman, I did like that I felt like suddenly the the Legion I felt like the Legion basically was brought back to its pre-crisis roots, and it was once again the Legion that I had always loved, you know, from from being a kid. But I don't know, you know, when I when when I had lost Superman, it just it it just kind of disconnected me from all of it. You know what I mean? But I mm-hmm. might try to if I can track those down on the cheap or something, I, I might actually try to give that a try because I. I am, you know, interested in the Legion, especially if they have gone back to, you know, the classic Legion with the with the original legionnaires and the, more or less the classic continuity. Well, what do you think, fellas? We want to wrap this one up. Yeah, uh, I think
3: we could give uh, the Walking Dead a pass for a month. Yeah, I this I was. was uh- i was just gonna uh, yeah i'll just throw i think we've given them their money's worth
2: <laughs> yeah i apologize that there's month. no walking dead this time guys we actually did uh read the episode or excuse me read the issue in, in pre- preparation for this episode however i didn't want to rein us in on what i thought were just some excellent uh, conversations and tangents and topics so we will have uh walking dead for you next time around but uh Definitely write in and let us know what you think on everything that we discussed today. I know that a lot of these things are, uh, are hot-button issues and that everybody's got their own uh, passionate viewpoints, and I want to hear them. So write in and let us know what you think. Um, I was going to thank Mike for joining us once again.
1: But- <laughs> well, I appreciate the thought. <laughs>
2: Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, 2 True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite 2 True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you.
4: <laughs>
2: visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.Libson.com 2 True freaks is always spelled T W O T R U E. F-R-E-A-K-S. Libson is spelled
3: L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email 2 True Freaks directly at 2 true Freaks at gmail.com. Join our forum
2: at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed
3: with us and your fellow listeners. You can find 2 True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for 2 True Freaks. And hey,
2: you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook, too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts.
3: See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also
2: members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit
3: comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Can I help you?
0: I'd like a room, please.
3: Please, to sign here.
5: Nick Fury, director of S.H.I.E.L.D.
0: I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative.
1: I think that
2: takes us out. Yeah, that'll work.
1: Hitler reacts to the DC Comics reboot.
2: (laughs) I love these things. What's that? The Hitler thing? I gotta watch (laughs) this. I haven't seen this one yet. (laughs) I love Hitler. Am I even allowed to say that?
1: What what Jim Lee should have done was put a cape on Shota Hex and have him get Superman.
2: I gotta see that. See, I'm still I'm how do you can you go past this stupid ass ad? God I fucking hate advertisements? Sometimes
3: they let you skip the ad, sometimes they don't. Ooh, that scroll's hot though. She just take her top off?
1: Yeah, it looks like it, doesn't it?
3: Holy
2: shit.
1: <laughs> you don't need to start from number one to read comics. You only need capable writers.
2: The bank used to be a KFC. (laughs) So Hitler's in charge of DC Comics. I fucking love
1: it. I just love these.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like the all-purpose scene is what it is, you know?
2: Does he not remind you of Mr. Nutter just a little
1: bit?
3: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, what the utter despair in his eyes. I love his hands yeah. shaking as he takes his glasses off.
1: Well, yeah. you know the the theory that that Hitler had. Um, what is that called?
3: One testicle?
1: No, uh, P- Parkinson's. Oh. Yeah, Could there was be. a theory that that's why his—that's why the war started
3: going so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is that his mind was starting to? But they, he was also doing amphetamines and stuff like that, and that usually has a <laughs> n- dura- negative effect on your
2: <laughs> renumbering, like Marvel, every eight months. <laughs>